Steve Allen. Winds light, northerly, Donnerbank, Doggerbank, Finisterre, and a... We issue now a warning. It's, it's so dull, isn't it, when you listen to other radio stations? Small wonder this programme wipes the blooming floor with them. You know, I mean, we, we not only take them, we spank them on the bum at the same time, ladies and gentlemen. Every single radio station in London bows down to this one. <sighs> God, oh God, it's enough of that. Anyway, let's move on, shall we? Loads of things to get through on the programme this morning. The reason you listen is you can't quite believe what you're hearing. Mind you, I can't quite believe what I'm saying half the time. So, so that goes quite well, but we are, all, we are very much geared... To the newspapers, we're very much geared to to uh, to showbiz minor celebrities. We love a minor celebrity. We're very good with minor celebrities. In fact, we we thrive on minor Z-list celebrities, and none more Z-list than poor old Jordan, who I have to mention at the beginning of the programme. Yes, the wizened old has-been baggage, the nastiest little piece of work in the business, has finally been given her comeuppance. Leandro Penner, a man so intelligent he makes her look as thick as a toilet brush has finally got his own back. Normally, she's the one who sells the stories. She's the one who goes to the papers and goes, I had to get rid of him, he was this and that. The trouble is, he was so good, he was so perfect, he put up with rubbish and filth from her. She treated him like a doormat. We saw it on the television programmes. And I said to you more than a year ago, this will not last. You know what she's like. She starts off being, oh, I'm all loved up and all the rest of it. And then, unfortunately, she has a bit of Botox, looks in the mirror, gets depressed, and so goes out on the hunt to try and find somebody else. And once again, her bedroom door will be a revolve. And they'll be dragging people back there from the X Factor, people who think if you hang around with her that you get fame. Unfortunately, you get the wrong kind of fame. Nobody who's hung around with her has ever got any decent fame at all. She's not a very nice person. And as Leandro has said in the paper today, she's crazy. He said that she was... He said, I don't know what's wrong with her. I'll tell you what's wrong with her. She's vile. She's really, He said, her brain isn't wired right, and I was going insane. So he's a nice, personable young man who really doesn't need to hang around with something as low-life as her. She was horrible to him on the television. But when I, when I, the moment she started being nasty to him on the television programme and pushing it, as if she paid for him, which, of course, she probably had to, because he didn't appear to have any work, um, I knew that things were going to go horribly wrong. And again... I hate to tell you, but, uh, you know, I'm right every single time. Never been wrong. Might have had something wrong the other day, but that was, that was neither here nor there. But on something like that, he said, uh, he says here, her brain is not wired properly. The wires don't connect. I don't know. I don't know what's the matter with her. Nobody knows what's the matter. Well, I'll tell you what's the matter with her. She thinks that she's really clever, but in fact, she's thick. And when somebody's thick, but they think they're really clever, she thinks she's a businesswoman. You know, and to all intents and purposes, she is... But for the purpose of flogging a few tatty old books, a few naff old riding outfits, there are hundreds of things she's touched which have died on their proverbial. The reason she's still on the front pages is because she just looks now so peculiar. You know that when you watch her on the television programmes, there's so much hatred inside her for everything. She feels that life has dealt her a really bad blow. She knows that she doesn't know what to wear. She's got no idea what to wear for anything because she hasn't got any idea. She was just a bimbo who was taken and they said, get your boobs out, have them enlarged, do this, do that. And that's what made her. But, you know, to call her glamorous is really like sort of, you know, she's not. She's not. She's an over-made-up bimbo, and she's brainless at the same time. OK, so she's made loads of money. But she's not made it. Her agent, Claire, was the one who helped make that Katie Price fortune. She was the sole one who turned it all around. 
You know, the book deals, we know she doesn't write. The uh, the clothing, she doesn't design anything. All she does is she puts her name to something and they sell it to them. They go, oh, Katie Brett, and of course we can put you on her TV programme. So that's how they sell it. Most of her friends are a bit fair weather. She sits around at home, you know, and she thinks she's being really clever. But the sort of people who follow Katie Price are generally people with one or two screws loose and you would affectionately call them chavs. You, would, you know, you've only got to see them turning up. She either attracts puffy boys who stand in line because for some reason they think she's drag, which of course she's not, but I know it's borderline. In fact, sometimes drag is more attractive. And then, you know, she picks up boys, drops them. Now she's been texting some bloke on the uh, the X Factor. And um, it, this was a man she was seen at the Sea Restaurant in London's Mayfair. Now, all of a sudden, I've started noticing this Sea Restaurant cropping up. It's a bit like the Mayfair Hotel. You know, and every time the Mayfair Hotel was mentioned, with all due respect to them, the people who went there appeared to be low Z-listers. They go, and here's Kerry Coke Toner at the Mayfair Hotel. Here's Sonsa at the Mayfair Hotel. Here's Jordan at the Mayfair Hotel. Now we've got people going to the Sea Restaurant in Mayfair. Well, it, this is the place that lets in Cheryl Cole. <laughs> Not for me, thank you very much indeed. And she went there as well. If you went to a restaurant in Mayfair and there was the likes of Jordan in there, I'd be so fast out the door. You imagine people sitting there, well-heeled people in Mayfair, and they go, who's that? That's Jordan. Oh, de- pick, eat, eat quickly, out. Don't want to hang around the place like that, it's quite clear. It's like going to the local kebab shop and finding Rylan in there or anybody from The Only Way is Essex. You walked into a place and there's Lydia Bright or Lauren Goodyear there, you're out the door. You don't hang around, because that's not your sort of place, because you have to you have to raise the stakes a little bit. So I laughed like a drain. When I, now, I promise you now, Leandro, her venom will know no boundaries. She will let fly. She will be sitting down there. She will be looking to destroy you. She's that sort of person. I promise you, mark my word, she's done it to every single person, from Alex Reed, admittedly kind of justified, to... Um, to, I've forgotten his name already. It's uh, Peter Andre, and to the one before that. She does it to everybody. She's vile. So you mark my words, ladies and gentlemen. You watch over this weekend, Jordan, why I had to ditch Leandro. But you know the truth. He dumped her because she's not all there in the brain department. And it's years of, you know, somebody described her very well, and it was a well-known presenter. I won't tell you who it is, because they're very, very well-known. And he said he interviewed Jordan once. He said, and you look in her eyes and they're soulless. He said it's like she's a faded porno star who's been so used over the years that there's nothing left to give until she trowels on the polyfiller and sort of makes a, a weak appearance in the world. And she's a bit like that, you know. She's got children... But she spends a lot of time at parties, a lot of time... Tr- she has to accept the fact she's old. Nobody's interested in the, in the glamour side of it. She's not glamorous. She looks like she's been so Botoxed. But the trouble is, because she can't carry it off, because she's not... doesn't have a figure for it. And because she's got no idea of fashion... You know, when, when, when you have in front of you what are roughly two hippopotamuses, you know, laughingly called breasts, you can't wear anything because you're always going to look cheap. And unfortunately for Jordan, she looks cheap. But you mark my words, Leandro, she's done it every time. She'll do it again. She will be out to get you. Because nobody makes the pricey. You watch in her column this week, the pricey will be attacking. Ooh, and she'll be vile and vitriotic, vitriolic. Which is what, you know, she's in the market of. 
So, uh, you mark my word. I'm never wrong. Never, never wrong. That's why more people are listening to this programme than the shipping forecast. Uh, other stories in the uh, in the papers. There was one actual story. I had to mention it because I, I sort of I cut it out. Well, I didn't cut it out. I'm not allowed to cut papers out. Matron says I'm not allowed anything sharp in this building, so I have to sort of just sit there and fold bits of paper over, which is quite nice. Oh, there was a... I'm sorry to go back onto this story again. This is a story that goes back, for me, 40 years, when we exposed, on my programme, the so-called talent agencies who ask for a fee for getting your kid onto their books. Modelling or getting people into entertainment, if anybody charges you a fee, they're a rip-off artist. I've, I've lost track of how many times I've had to explain this to people. If you take your kid or your granny or your dog or your whatever into an agency and they charge you for a set of photos, they're thieving you, they're robbing you blind. You know, if they're interested in you, they will actually, you know, they will pay for it. And here it is. It's uh, an agency. And this was uh, a young girl here. This is Ronnie Ann Winch. I do hate children with, you know, double-barrelled names. Ronnie Ann. I'm sorry. It says Chav to me straight away. But anyway, she sent a photograph to La Mode London, London's premier model advice company. Therein lies the clue. Model advice company. And she said, I was invited for a photo shoot. I had an interview with top model Rylan Ross Clark. This is this puffy boy on the television at the moment. And uh, he told me I had potential and I'd definitely be offered work. Bearing in mind, this girl here is 12. Okay, she's 12 years old. Her parents signed up to Lamode's platinum package. Guess how? Three grand. Three thousand. I'd have seen the word rip off a mile off. You never pay for this stuff. Anyway, some of the potential jobs Lamode emailed to her. She's 12. Female extras needed for party scene. Glamorous, attractive, slim girls will have to wear a bikini. She's 12. This is some pervy agency, if you ask me. Uh, casting. A mature oriental model aged between 30 and 40. ITV's Take Me Out, looking for female contestants, aged 18 plus. When Ronnie Ann's mum, Wendy, complained, Lamode had not found any work, Ronnie Ann was offered a day's model training for another £500. And Wendy said, that's when I knew I'd been conned. The director of La Mode London is Helen Smith. Although Ryland Clark is not on the board, several angry clients besides Ronnie Ann have said he was there on the day of their shoot. Oh dear. It becomes quite nasty, doesn't it? Quite nasty. Anyway, after the photos, we didn't have a minute to breathe before they started trying to sell their two and a half thousand package. This was the parents of Kirby Aldred. Kirby. What are these people? K I R B E E. Kirby. Jesus. 16. Anyway. And, and they said, oh, your girl's really beautiful, and she's this and that. Well, I'm sorry. You know, models are spotted by talent people. Models don't walk into agencies. Somebody would be walking down the street, model scouts, and they'll go, you, there's a card, come and see us at Premier or wherever it happens to be. You know, when La Mode described themselves as London's Premier Model Advice Company, that's not an agency. That's called, let's get money out of you as quickly as possible. Um, you know, £3,000 bought you... Nothing apart from a few sets of useless photographs. Absolutely useless. I'm looking at this girl here. I don't know whether she's got model potential. You know, I sometimes look at sort of fashion. She's 12, though. She's 12. But any agency that charges you money, you run a mile. You run a mile. I remember seeing one once, and it was, want to be in voiceovers? 
And it was an advert that ran in the standard for ages. Want to be in voiceovers? And the stage ran it. Call this premium rate phone line to be in voiceovers. I'm telling you now, nobody ever, ever got a gig in voiceovers on radio, television or anything else through answering an advert. The people they take, they wouldn't even take me for voiceover work. They're looking for actors. They want actors. That's why all the top voiceover agencies, all the people on their books, 99.9% are actors or people with velvety brown voices who go dog a bank and Finisterre. And, you know, people like uh, Anthony Davis who can, you know, sell you a chocolate bar on a stick and say it's shaken and not stirred. You know, I don't do things like that. I'm afraid that's not my kind of thing. But uh, Ryland, of course, nothing surprises me. And who's his best friend? Oh, wait a minute. It's Jordan. This is LBC 97 with Alan. Now on Radio 4, the news. Turn it off! It's rubbish! Thank you. Arrest my case. 18 minutes past four. Thursday morning in London. What a miserable day. I was so pleased yesterday. I keep putting... I'm the world's worst person for trying to organise things. I, I, I have people who do things for me. I can't iron for toffee. So I give all my ironing to Thomas, whose family have got a dry cleaners, and he does. He doesn't like doing the washing and ironing, but he gets paid for it. So he, he does the washing and ironing. And, I, and it's, it's just fun. I just take it all in there and he sorts it all out and he does it and he cleans the duvets and does everything else. And uh, the car, I take that to Peter and the boys and they sort out the car for me because I don't know anything about a car. I know you put petrol in one end and you might put some water in. And I can just about manage that if the if the sort of the little light comes on. And uh, and I'm hopeless at VAT. I can do it, but I've got to keep I've got to apply myself to it. So I've had to print off the the thing of doing my VAT online because I'm registered for VAT. And then yesterday I had to sort out all my tax things, which involved literally just getting all my invoices, all my bank statements, putting them in in little box things and taking them to the accountant. Well, it's taken me forever. So I sat down yesterday and I spread it all over the floor and I'm sorting out, right, that's, I'm doing April to April, so that one's in that part, so that's for putting to one side. And and I've done it. And it took me, actually, strangely enough, the best part of uh, probably an hour. But I put it off for months and months. And so I got it done, so I went out and celebrated. I took some more washing and ironing into Thomas. And so I've done that. And then I got a thing through on the internet saying, your VAT is due. So I've actually got all my VAT stuff out, my passwords and everything else. And so later on today, I'll be able to do the VAT. Because yesterday I did manage to nip out, get my hair cut, because I felt I needed a haircut, because I was going to have today to interview at night. I've got breakfast with the boss. hate breakfast with the boss. Oh, hate things like that. I had breakfast out yesterday with, uh, with one of our producers at LBC, who's on jury service. And so far, he's been there for four days and he's not been picked for any case. He's not had a case to do. I thought he was going to tell me some exciting... He can't talk about cases if they're ongoing. But he didn't even have a case to talk about that he'd finished with because he hasn't done a case. And he sent me a thing yesterday saying, so what are you doing this afternoon? I said, I'm doing my paperwork. And he wrote back, he said, we've just been sent home again. And I said, I sent him a text back saying, you must be the unluckiest juror in the business. And so I did that yesterday. Then I, I took a picture of the hanging... Ba- in fact, yesterday I achieved quite a lot, I thought. Took a picture of the hanging baskets. They don't look their best at the moment... They don't look their best at the moment, but they will come into their own. And somebody said, oh, the first frost, it'll kill all those winter flowering pansies. And in fact, you're absolutely wrong on that one. Because every year I buy winter flowering pansies and I put them in. I might put another lot in just before we start, just to make sure. But what you have to do is deadhead them. The moment you plant, deadhead. Pull the flowers off, pull the flowers off, pull the flowers off. The moment a flower appears, pull it off. Because you don't want the plant to go spindly. You want it to be strong and you want a good root system. So you pull. I know this. So this is years of doing 
gardening programmes. I know exactly how to make things grow in the garden. I know exactly what soil is right. I know about tomorite, only tomorite. Don't buy anything else that says tomato feed. They're not as good. Tomorite is the only one. Swear to God by it. It's worth it. Little dollop in a watering can, give them a water, and you'll have bigger baskets than the entire road all put together. So I, I'm, I'm looking at that, and I took the pictures of the hanging baskets, and I know that even if we have snow, all those little winter flowering pansies will collapse. By the afternoon, bing, they're up again, because they're like that. Never kill them off at all, so I'm very pleased with them. And what I tend to find is block colour. Looks far more effective if you put all of one colour in one pot. Don't mix and match them, because it just looks, looks like you haven't got a decision. And then yesterday, and again proving I was so right, we talked about the couple. Uh, this is Pauline Bailey. Pauline Bailey was so upset, because she goes along with uh, her old man, who's quite a bit older than her, and he's got tattoos. Well, we think he's got tattoos, but he's certainly got earrings. And they go to hotel, and, um, and, they, and they, they, they can't, you know, they actually get shown around... And um, and she uh, and so, so she goes. She goes. Yeah, we're looking for like yeah, room for the wedding, and uh, because and, and it turns out that the girl who was doing the bookings then wrote to the boss. But you remember the email? Unfortunately, went to poor Pauline Bailey, who was so traumatized by the whole thing, she had to go on television and complain about it. And it turns out she's one of those old tarts off the television. Call me now. Call me now. <sighs> Missing you. Love you. Love you. And she rides around on a cheap old mattress with her boobs hanging out and. And um, and it, it's a bit it's a bit it's a bit sad really because everybody is rounded on her. I mean, it's a bit tough if you are one of those girls who has to work in the adult industry, you know. And uh, she's working in the adult industry for a lot of old men who sort of like going. Mm, and she's going call me one fifty three a minute. Call me. She's doing all that kind of thing, and you only have to look at her. Quite clearly, the girl who was running the hotel bookings knew exactly what she was the moment she opened her blooming mouth. She probably went, oh, and she would go, and is this the, mm, is this the room that we're going to be booking from? Mm, wedding. And can we have, mm, do you think fireworks? Mm, oh, I love fireworks. And she went, I don't think we want your type here, darling. You're a bit cheap and common, aren't you? And of course she turned out to be that. Indeedy doody, writes Rod Little. In fact, Pauline speaks so well, she charges one fifty a minute for people to listen to her doing so. Gentlemen callers, gentlemen callers with a phone in one hand and a box. Well, anyway, and uh, she says she also gets a kit off for a bunch of porno TV channels. He says, "Never mind, love. Give Travel Lodge a ring." She's a cheap old tart, isn't she, poor old soul? But you have to be honest about it. You know, Pauline, if you go on television and go, "I was, mm, oh, I was so hurt when when they turned me, oh, turned me down." You're gorgeous, and uh, you know, unfortunately, it came back to bite you on the bum, didn't it? It came out to bite you on the bum and you've been exposed as cheap and tarty and uh, a bit of an embarrassment. Not surprised you only had 30 guests at the wedding, love. Anyway, Travel Lodge, I don't think they want you either. I don't think you want that. However, we found another girl this morning. Now, this occurred some years ago where there was an Oxford University student who decided, for reasons best known to herself, to sell her virginity. And, and she sold it to put herself through college. Most people just get a job at McDonald's or working, you know, picking up glasses or serving behind a bar. But there's another one here. Her name is Caterina Miglorini, and they say she's stunning. Well, she's stunning if you like that kind of waif-like, you know, peasant look. And she's keeping her prize assets well covered. She's posing in a bikini with a, with a trilby hat covering her boobies. And uh, she's Brazilian, and she sold her virginity in an online auction for £490,000. Now, we know what she is. She's a prostitute. It's as simple as that. She has sold sex to a perfect stranger for money. She has sold, you know, the fact that this Japanese man 
uh, named only as Natsu. I mean, to be honest with you, in, Jap- in, in Japan, for 490 grand, you could buy the whole office block, I should imagine, and have, uh, have SEX with them if you wanted to. You don't need to pick up this old tramp here. She sold her body online. It's prostitution. That's what it is. And uh, she slammed her... Uh, she's hit back at, the cri- hit back at, back at critics. Critics have, bla- have branded her unacceptable, immoral and unethical. No, she's just a tart. That's what she is. She's a hooker who's made a load of money on one hit. 490. If she sees the money, it'll, it'll, be a, it'll be a sad day for prostitutes everywhere. But she says here, I'm responsible for my body and I'm not hurting anyone. Of course you're not, dear. But you just made yourself look cheap by telling people you're doing it. I bet your parents are so thrilled. Here's our daughter, the hooker. How marvellous. 490,000. If you get it, it'll be a blooming miracle. Because uh, I reckon somebody's having a laugh at your expense. Because looking at you, I don't... I mean, there was actually another bloke, a Russian, Alexander Stepanov. He sold his virginity online. He got (laughs) 1,876. It's not quite the same, is it? Not quite the same. So, uh, So that's the state of the world at the moment. You know, one hooker... A sad old woman who, who's not going to be going to Stoke Park, thank God. I bet they were relieved on that one. Who's now got herself the worst case of publicity. And, of course, so embarrassed is she by what she does on television, writhing around on a mattress, breathing into the television, that um, now everybody knows exactly what she is. I bet the next-door neighbours will go to their children, don't go anywhere near her, OK? She's one fifty-three a minute. Don't talk to her, for God's sake. It'll cost us a fortune. Uh, and then the Daily Mail today. They've got confessions of, this will appeal to a lot of you, a wife who snores. It happens a lot. I fell asleep on the train the other day going, but I was so tired. I fell asleep on the train and I, I'm convinced I woke myself up by snoring. I'm convinced I woke myself up. And, and then you lie there, so sit there, lie there, and you sit there with your eyes wide open. And I was determined that I wasn't going to fall asleep again. And, it, and then we had the ticket inspectors through. And of course, I'm, I love it. But they always catch at least two people in every compartment I've ever been in when the ticket collectors come through. It's people who think they're going to sit on the train. A bit like ministers. You know ministers who have got a second-class ticket and then they go and sit in first class. I see Anne Widdicombe, old Widdy, you know, as if she was some funny little fat bird, was saying, oh, what is it? It's only somebody sitting in, you know, in, in first class. It doesn't matter. I think, I wonder how many times you've done it, buying a cheap second-class ticket and shoving your ample carcass in first class. It's not on, is it? No, they do it at Ascot. When they have the Ascot, uh, Ascot thing on, all the, all the chavs sit there with their tattoos in first class. They sit there, and it's really embarrassing. Because I, mean, I stand. I'd rather stand. I, couldn't, I could never sit in first class if I didn't have a first class ticket. It's different on an aeroplane, I know, but, uh, but never any other, any other way at all. So yesterday, so I had an interview to do, and it was Lawrence Fox, who's married to Billy Piper. Sickeningly good looking and very pleasant, but a bit of a rebel. And then today, I've got Matt Cardle. And then late last night, Warwick Davis came up on the radar. Warwick Davis, as you know, little person. You know, he was in Willow. Oh, he's been in oh, tons of stuff. He's worked with... Um, you know, he's been on uh, uh, extras, and he's, I think he's been Harry Potter as well. He's been ever. You know, I don't think this man ever stops working. And so I thought that's good. We'll do him at nine. Got breakfast with the boss at seven thirty. Never a good time, is it? Never. You know, I don't think there's ever a good time to have breakfast with your boss. You know, because you know he's going to be sitting there staring at me. So I've had a specially close shave this morning, so I look particularly attractive. And I should be sitting in the dark part of the room. Don't want him to think I'm sort of old or anything like that. And so, and so I was going to have him coming in, Warwick Davis. And then the last minute they went, no, something else popped up, so he's had to cancel that, but they want to reschedule. So I thought, that's good, because I have talked to him before, and I think it was in this building. He's the only person you have to help up onto the chair, because the chairs here are so high. 
and bless his heart. He was, he was really nice, really, really nice person. So, lot to talk about with him, but it'll be Matt Cardle today for In Conversation shortly. And for those people who have plagued me and pestered me, we will get round to doing Tommy Steele. He's in my bag, as they say, uh, to be put out. What goes out this weekend, I don't know. We should find out, uh, hopefully by tomorrow, because I've recorded so much over the last two weeks. I don't think I've stopped. I don't think there's been a day, one, one day where uh, I haven't had recordings to do for In Conversation. So the In Conversazione, which goes out on Sunday morning on LBC. Delighted to report again, we trounce everybody on a Sunday morning between five and seven. Oh, far be it from me to blow my own trumpet. You know, we don't do that kind of, we're not that, we don't do that kind of thing. You know, we know we're good. We know we're good. I could tell by the amount of texts and emails and the fact the bank manager's still talking to me that we must be good at doing something. So uh, we'll take a short break. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I don't care what you want to talk about. I really don't. I mean, I'm that easy going. I'll poo-poo most of it anyway, so you might as well do your worst this morning. Oh, and cab drivers. I did discover quite a few of them last evening with their lights off at Piccadilly Circus. Funny that, isn't it? It's 4.30. Oh, a far bit for me to mention even more people are tuning in now. No other radio station has the size audience we have at this time. I wipe the board with everything. Every BBC station, every local, everything. It's not bad, is it? That's why we're, we're crowing about it on the news. I think you could do it every so often. I could do it probably about twice a year, which is quite nice. As I said before, even people that hate me listen all the time. Even people who hate me listen all the time. And then writing going, I never listen to this programme. They listen all the time because they've got nothing else. Because they sit there up at this time of the morning. They haven't got any friends. And there's some poor old queen in Brighton called Lee who said, when we suggested the other week taking you radio into the shower, he assumed that it was electric. And obviously presumed he hadn't ever heard of batteries before. He said, you tried to reduce your listener base. I thought, not judging by the latest figures, we go through the roof. Go through the roof. It's fantastic. It's absolutely wonderful. As I say, it's, it, it is so funny to read and um, so many people now we, we just we sort of lose them I don't have enough time to get through every single person's text and email but even people that hate this programme listen all the time and spread the news because the more people they actually tell about it the better it is it's fantastic 84850 uk. I mean I, I do find it absolutely wonderful I look at the audience figures every year and I think they can't go up any more can they and you know surprisingly they do they do. They absolutely go up, up, up and up. In fact, I, I wouldn't like to bang on about how good they are, but believe you me, they really are good at the moment. In fact, I think we're on an 18-year high. An 18-year high. <laughs> Which is, I don't, it is just fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. 84850, uk. Thank you very much indeed for that one. Uh, another one here. So, Matt Cardle today, big fan of Matt Cardle. And as you know, of course, uh, I think Dawn went off to see him. She's ordered the album. I luckily got my album for uh, for free, for free. Uh, 84850. The trouble is, a lot of the public enjoy Jordan and the Brainless Burks on the only way is Essex, says Leon Basildon. Well, they don't. A lot of the public don't like Jordan. That's the trouble. That's why her programmes aren't rating on the television. You know, wake up, smell the beans. The audience figures have dropped off, I'm afraid. Uh, then uh, Duncan was talking about personalised number plates because the Burkos have got personalised number plates. But they're just sad. They're just sad. Dorman Dom says all my doormen are wearing a poppy. I've had, I bought 20 poppies for all my doormen. And um, Mike in Tooting wears a white poppy. Oh, I never quite understand why people wear a white poppy. I'm not quite into that. You know, as far as I'm concerned, the poppy is red and you buy it. And that's... Um, 
And that's what you do. Great breakfast yesterday. Went to Bill's in, uh, in Longacre. And they do a Bill's breakfast, which is toast, mushrooms, two eggs, bacon, sausage, beans. Oh, it was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. Seven ninety five. I thought seven ninety five was actually quite quite good. That's about standard in London, isn't it? I think we're going for, going for breakfast somewhere else this morning. Uh, Lisa's hot to trot. This is Lisa Riley, a fake, I'm afraid. All this, you know, I'm funny, I'm big, I'm happy, I'm jolly. It's fake. She's fraudulent. Um, and they've got loads of people. I don't even know half these people are. I didn't know who Louis Smith was, and he turns out to be some Olympian who's got one of these. There's something odd about men who've got little tiny shaved. Beard things. It looks slightly peculiar, I'm afraid. Uh, Nicky Byrne. I don't know whether he's doing well at the moment. Colin Salmon, who apparently is in a Bond film. Well, I've said before, I mean, you know, if you said to me, who are these people in Bond films? He certainly wouldn't be one of the names in the frames. Uh, Vincent Simone. Heterosexual, apparently. Brendan Cole, an irritant. Tony Beak, who sort of renamed himself Anton Dubake. I mean, you know, a grinning ape, if ever there was one. And uh, and Brucey, because they're they're saying here, Lisa has sparked a romantic mystery after confessing she fancies one of the men. I would tell all the men on Strictly, be afraid, be very afraid. She's very needy. Very needy, I'm afraid. Uh, Today is the day that you start your diet, ladies. And fat people in Brighton. Okay, Uh, Because a lot of fat people in Brighton, because it's all chips and stuff like that. There's no healthy places down there. It's all for fat people. And so you have to start your diet because you start the diet now. So by the time you actually uh, sort of get to Christmas, you'll be at the right state of mind. You know, it's 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 a it's a case of you have to lose the weight before Christmas. So over Christmas, you can then stuff yourself. So when you get to January, you can buy one of these uh, crackpot third rate celebrity DVDs, which, of course, will sit there in the cupboard. You won't lose any more weight until you get round to next year. So there you go. Eight four eight five zero Steve at LBC dot co dot UK and uh, gay boy Lee in uh, in Brighton. He says, uh, my dog is listening. I thought you'd be lonely enough to just have a dog. I thought you'd be sitting there just with you and the dog. Perhaps a walk along the seafront. Walk along the seafront and then throw a stone into the water. And then go back home and sit there staring at the television again. (laughs) Oh, dear. Now, as predicted on the programme yesterday, the former BBC Director General Mark Thompson's claim he never heard any allegations against Jimmy Savile until he resigned last month has now been challenged by a highly respected journalist at the corporation. Because I said on the programmation, all the people who were saying they'd never heard the allegations about Jimmy Savile or the rumours must have had their head buried in the sand because everybody knew about it, even people who never knew him. Even people who never knew him knew exactly, you know, exactly what was, what was going on with, with Jimmy Savile. We just didn't know what it was. People knew the rumours. It was all there. Uh, yesterday, I'm glad to say the stars turned out because it was the launch of uh, the Royal British Legion Poppy Appeal in Trafalgar Square. It was absolutely heaving, absolutely heaving. Uh, the singers, they had uh, Alicia Dixon and Pixie Lott. I think they're, they're, they're trying to make it appeal to younger people. So there's no point in trotting out the usual ones. So they're, they're sort of doing younger people now. And uh, Pixie paid tribute to her 84-year-old grandfather. She said she'd visited Force's families at RAF Northholt to learn more about the sacrifices. You can learn no more about the sacrifices, I'm afraid, than going out to Afghanistan and being shot or blown up. I don't know how you learn about that. But the concert yesterday featured the Corps of Drums of the 1st Battalion Coldstream Guards, 1st Battalion Irish Guards and the trumpeters of the band of the Grenadier Guards, along with the, uh, the Watersham Military Wives Choir, James Fox 
who sang the official Poppy Appeal single, which is called Landlocked. And poppies are on sale, I think, across the country till, uh, till November. Uh, somebody says, looking forward to you interviewing Lisa Riley. You know you'll have to eventually. No, she's on my, my band list, I'm afraid. On my band list. And uh, so I would never interview somebody I didn't like. Oh, you know that, don't you, girly? You know that. I'd never do that. Honestly, what are you, mad or something? Uh, there's a lovely... Um, have you ever heard of the Heimlich manoeuvre? Well, there's a dog here. A dog has saved life. is choking young owner. Heimlich style. I'm tempted to say, I don't. I think that's probably what it probably looked like eventually, but I shouldn't imagine when the dog started, that's what it was thinking. My owner is choking, I'm going to go for the Heimlich manoeuvre. And so she's got a dog called Sheba, which is great, named after a cat food, isn't it? I mean, fancy naming a big butch dog like this thing here. And it's uh, a woman called Aisha Penny. The Heimlich manoeuvre is where you sort of put your arms around somebody's waist and you go, Ugh! and whatever they're, they're choking on eventually, eventually comes up. Which is uh, which is good, which is good. And uh, eight four eight five zero Steve at LBC dot co. Karen in Cardiff says you're the absolute best. Well, do you know I'm delighted, Karen, to say that the audience figures are proving this. I mean, they've gone through the roof this time. I wouldn't like to say how many other LBC programmes I have usurped in the process, but it's uh, it's working a treat. And at the weekend as well. And at the weekend, biggest figures for in conversation and best of Steve Allen. Nothing like blowing your own trumpet. I love the idea that occasionally you have a story in the paper that makes you smile because you think, I wonder, you know, I've seen that garage at the end of this drive. I wonder what's in it. And there's a Mini. They opened a garage the other day. It was bought for £600, this Mini, in 1966, driven for ten years before Brian Smith decided to lock it away. So it remained untouched until he died in May at the age of 76 he left the car to the family, who've put it up for auction, and they reckon it could fetch about £12,000. It's not bad, is it, for an investment of 600 It is um, one of the most important Mini Coopers. It's only got 22,270 miles on the clock. Uh, it doesn't start, and it's in need of restoration. But to be honest with you, and I've had a few Minis over the years. I had a blue Mini, I had a chocolate brown Mini with lovely cream interior, and I used to work on them. I used to work on, on Minis. And to be honest with you, they're a pain to work on. They're a lot easier now, but I've changed radiators on minis. I've, uh, I've changed spark plugs. When I think about it, the stuff I've done on minis, changed spark plugs. I've measured them out and done it. And uh, I've ch- the radiator was the worst thing to change. You've got to cut it off, you know, taking off the hoses and trying to get it out because it's, it's all put together in like a machine. So when you try and get your hands in there, if your hands are slightly bigger... You know, it's it's a it's a bit difficult. It's a bit difficult. But I did do it. I couldn't work on my engine at the moment because it's it's sealed, it's factory sealed. So I can I can get to the water thing, but you could only do that when the car's been idle for so many hours because it builds up pressure. So if you need to put coolant in, and I just put water in for coolant, um, you know, it was that that that's the that's the way it was. It was it was fantastic. So I could do that, I can do oil. Although not, not very well. I've been told not to do oil by the guy. They said, don't, Steve, don't, don't do oil. We'll do the oil for you. It doesn't, you don't need it doing every so often. And I can put petrol in. But I've got to remember to turn the petrol cap three times. And don't ask me why, because it makes this horrible clicking noise. But if you don't do it three times on the car, uh, the check engine sign comes on. I've been driving down the motorway and the check engine and you, you panic. You think, I wonder what that is. I wonder what that is. Um... And so I've started doing that, and it makes this noise. I'm sure people think it's broken, but it's a, it's a strange design quirk. I was going to call it a fault, but it's not a fault. It's a design quirk. So you've got to turn it three times clockwise for it actually to sort of not put the check engine sign on. And it works on all the cars. It's very strange. Uh, Jason, Mr. Dailybed, I agree. 
I absolutely agree. I mean, I didn't know Yes, We thought it was... I can't go into the into the case. I don't want to talk about the case. But I thought it was an older person. I didn't realise it was a... Uh, it's a young person. You know it's a young person, don't you? You know it's a 17-year-old. It's not a... You know, it's, it's, it's not an older person involved in this one. And uh, so it's... Yes. <laughs> so I can't... I can't... Uh, I can't say anything there. Uh, 84850. Somebody says, I was listening to you when you were down in Ladbroke Grove. We've never been in Ladbroke Grove. Oh, for, the, oh, for Ladbroke... No, we weren't Ladbroke Grove. We were off... I can't remember the name of the road we were on. Was that Labrook, Labrook Grove? I don't know. I quite liked it down there, actually. I quite liked it down there. Uh, least of all at carnival time, I'm afraid, when it was impossible to get in or out of the building because at the back of our building, it was, um, it was all the floats. And unfortunately, most of the people on the floats at Nottingham Carnival used to drink. The, the amount of vodka bottles you would find uh, thrown on the ground. I mean, the rubbish, the Nottingham Carnival... Uh, you know, produced was just unbelievable, unbelievable. So they would send round the the trucks in the morning to try and clear it all up, but they were all drinking, all the people on the floats, even some of the younger people. It was vodka bottles, chicken, everything. It was just dreadful. Uh, Omar is listening, recommended to this programme by a family friend in the UK three years ago. Thank you for listening. You don't, you don't quite, you know, the audience figures are good. But uh, I can only I can only be interested in people in London. I know we've got people outside of London, but you don't feature in my figures. You do feature in them, but not for London, where we've wiped the board with every radio station in London. Uh, it would be lovely to say if we included all of you listening around the world, be it in you know Hong Kong or China or you know the Maldives or America, then we'd be doing really really well. In fact, then it might actually become embarrassingly well. At the moment, it's just brilliant, which kind of sums it up very well indeed. The biggest LBC audience in. Increase in 18 years. Quarter to five. This is LBC 97. Morning, 13 minutes. To, 13 minutes to five. It's Steve Allen's top-rated show on LBC 97.3. No extra charge for this part of the programme. No extra charge. Patricia says, uh, I'm a bit of a clothes horse. I buy numerous poppies so I can put them on my various outerwear without having to repin one poppy. Yes, I agree. Absolutely. That's the best way to do it. In fact, Duncan said he did the same thing earlier. He said that what he did was uh, he bought loads of poppies and then just put them on different jackets. I've got one here. I've got the me- I like the metal poppies. I do like the metal poppies, but don't produce last year's and put it on. You've got to get one, you know, you've got to get your own. Uh, Dean, no, uh, those are not the names in the frames, I'm afraid. Not the names in the frames. So uh, perhaps, perhaps I'll be able to tell you at one point, but uh, at the moment they're not the names in the frames at all. Uh, Catherine is listening from Qatar. Morning, Catherine. Who says, it's the first time I've listened to you and I'm enjoying the show whilst drinking my tea in bed. Yes, it might be a little bit hot for me out there. As anybody will tell you who listens to this programme regularly, I don't do heat. I don't do heat at all. So being in Las Vegas, where it where it pitches in at a hundred degrees, a hundred degrees, you you walk outside. I was I'm telling my hairdresser, my hairdresser, uh, Marius Yester. He said he said how hot was it? I said a hundred degrees. And of course he has to work it back. He said how hot's that? I said it's about forty, about forty degrees, thirty between thirty five, forty degrees centigrade or Celsius. It's too hot. And that's why I said, when you, when you go to Vegas, you don't need, effectively, to move outside of your hotel. If you stay in Caesar's Palace, or the Bellagio, or the Wynn, or, yeah, they've got everything in there. They've got everything. I mean, in Caesar's Palace, they've got the shopping arcade. You can literally stay in the hotel. It is so big. 
you know, it's got their huge arena for their big shows, which are in all the time. I think it's Rod Stewart in at the moment. And uh, then they've got all the slots, if you want to pay the slots or whatever you want to do. The shopping arcade is enormous. Go to the Venetian. Again, you don't need to leave the hotel. Everything is there for you. All the restaurants. You could literally spend the whole time just in the hotel, which is what a lot of people do. Occasionally, you venture out onto the streets, and that's when you go, it's, it's It really is too hot. And you do start start falling apart, I'm afraid, in the heat. I'm rubbishing it. So if you're going and you've never been before, you might be going on a hen hen party or a stag do, and they seem to be having a lot of those now. All the flights that I've ever taken to Vegas over the last few years have been packed. It doesn't matter what time of the day you take the flight, it's packed. But it's a it's a reasonably long flight. It's about 10 hours. So if, if, if you try and pick night time, it means at least you can sleep on the thing going over there. But once you get there, the, the plane pulls in and you're literally, you've got a little bit of fencing and there's Vegas. You fly in over it, you see, you fly in over the Grand Canyon, the Hoover Dam, you fly in over the upper bits of, of Canada. It's fantastic to watch. Some of the barren landscape you fly in over, it's just amazing. Patricia says, uh, I always tune in when I can't sleep. So that's good. She says, uh, you're too funny first thing in the morning. I know, it's embarrassing, isn't it, first thing in the morning? I mean, really, it, people shouldn't be this lively first thing in the morning. I feel guilty doing it, especially especially when you go, it's ten to five. But, but I, I don't think about the time anymore. I just, I'm a bit like Vegas, where it wouldn't make any difference to me if we didn't have any clocks in the studio and I didn't have to give you the time. Because I'm not over-keen about reminding you every ten minutes, but sometimes people write in and say, listen, I'm trying to get ready for work, can you give us a time check? And I think, well, why don't you just buy clocks? You know, stop being a cheap so-and-so. Put clocks up in there. I've got clocks everywhere. In the bathroom, I've got four clocks. It doesn't seem possible, does it? I've got two stuck on the bathroom mirror. I bought these special bathroom clocks. And I've got one... one, two, I've got six clocks in the bathroom. Six clocks. And my bathroom is half the size of this, this studio. And if you don't know what size the studio is, then you need to go onto YouTube. There's pictures of the studio there, and I think I'm in them. And, uh, and then I've got one big clock above the bath. It's like a railway clock. It's huge. And then I've got one on the radio, and there's a shower clock as well. And then there's another small clock on the side. <laughs> Just in case. It's, it's, it's not through, through matters of oversleeping. They're not set to alarms. In the bedroom, I've got four, one, I'm sorry, one, two, five clocks in the bedroom. And two in the kitchen. Or it could be three. I'm obsessed with clocks now. I never, I, I never like to give. I am, yeah, the opposite of Captain Hook. I don't like to. I don't like to give out the time. It's like I remember going to uh, a hospital years and years ago, and I did feature on hospital radio when I was doing an overnight program about 25 years ago. And every hospital radio station I went to, they were giving out time checks. And I said to the guys, I said, why do you give time checks out? And he said, well, that's what they do on radio. I said, yeah, but this is broadcasting to people in hospital. They don't want to be reminded it's only three minutes since you last gave a time check. I said, because the time drags. And if the time drags, it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. I said, so the thing is, when you're actually in hospital, do not, do not give, uh, give time checks. You know, just sort of say, you know doesn't matter what the time is. It does, it's totally immaterial. You won't find a clock in Las Vegas or anything like that. Uh, 84850, uh Dorman Dom says, you keep me going till I go to bed. And, uh, and uh, Luke says, uh, I had a cracking breakfast at Da Vinci's Cafe on the Grays Inn Road for £5.70 a piece, which was lovely. That's the, but of course, you're rich, aren't you? You know, if you're actually going on a TUC march and you can afford £5.70, not as working class as you think you are, are you? £5.70 for a breakfast. You imagine people in the TUC, £5.70, lad, for a breakfast. Girl, you could have bought a corner shop for that. You know, 
Stereo, exactly. Well, the stereotype. What do you think the TUC? Uh, so, uh, Melinda, Binky, Binky, are we on the TUC march? I don't think so. I think it's all flat caps and whippets, isn't it? You know, out there on the streets of London. Look at these rich people in the flash cars, four wheels. Hello, uh, rich people. Love it. Uh, 84850, Stephen, LBC. £5.70 for a breakfast. That good? Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, poor sales of British luxury goods. It's China heading for a crash. Blimey, that'll be an interesting one, won't it? Because you're not buying their cheap rip-off handbags. Sorry, their, their nice, expensive handbags that they make there because they're saying that uh, mulberry bags... Uh, are uh, falling out of favour. Because women like lots of handbags. Women like lots of handbags, and you've got different things in each handbag. Mainly it will be an emery board, a packet of peppermints, and, uh, and a packet of chewing gum, I should imagine, and an old lippy. That's what generally... That's what generally is in a woman's handbag. And they're now saying there's poor sales of luxury goods, and it's becoming a worrying sign that the East is in crisis. Also, Little Red Pandas have been born to the Cotswold Wildlife Park in Oxfordshire. First ones in ten years. They're adorable. And uh, once they're allowed out... You know they're building a big thing at London Zoo. The big thing at London Zoo is going to be the tiger enclosure. They've got some new tigers coming in. Well, they're there already, but they're not, they're not out. And so they will be going out in this new, uh, this new enclosure, which is costing millions, I think. Absolutely millions. Uh, I love looking at the front page of, uh, of OK magazine just to see what well-known has-beens are featuring. Because there's nobody well-known on the front page, except it'll be Jordan next week, won't it? How I got rid of Leandro. And, and you know, of course, that he dumped her because she's got screws loose. But uh, on the front page, my six stone weight loss by Anne Hathaway. I'm so, am I, uh, what, Shakespeare's woman? What's she doing? Who's Anne Hathaway, for God's sake? Who is she? Is she, she's in The Devil Wears Prada, One Day, Catwoman, so she's made three things. She's made more than four things, maybe? She's got badly bleached blonde hair. She looks anorexic here, so not, not a good look. And also, Josie Gibson, Diet Special. This is the, uh, the old bag who pitched up on some television programme and was going out with some bloke on it, but we all knew it was fake. And then they've got, um... The Anne Hathaway wedding exclusive. Oh dear. Plus Kerry and Catherine terrorised inside their haunted homes. Apparently Kerry Katoma's home is haunted. That'll be the drugs, dear. That'll be the drugs. <laughs> 84850, uk. And actually, talking of that, Christine Lurie is in the paper today. She said, I had no idea my girl was addicted to heroin. And so she's written a book about her journey through drug addiction. Because once you get to heroin... It's, it's practically a, a no-brainer. There's not a lot you can do about somebody who does heroin. You just have to try and help them through it if they want help. Many people die along the way, and uh, those people are those who are, have a very addictive personality. If you've got a very addictive personality, it's not, it's not particularly good for you at all. Uh, no doubt we'll have some more stories from the, uh, the, the, the Made in Chelsea and the Only Way is Essex programme. But apparently... Now, this is an old story. We did this ages ago. Is it really acceptable to use a coupon on the first date. More than a quarter of cash-strapped romantics, or tight-fisted so-and-sos, admit to using discount vouchers. Discount vouchers? Oh, dear, I couldn't possibly comment on that one. But apparently lots of people do. 26% of people have used discount codes to entertain prospective partners. Now, I remember when they did it on Golden Girls, we all laughed, because somebody comes over really, really cheap. You know, if they sort of go, and uh, we're on voucher for this meal, have they spent? And of course, they bring you the smaller meal. 
And he, was, he went out with the, uh, with the Betty White character. And he was constantly going, listen, if, if we actually go to this uh, chicken place, it's as much as you can eat for $3 or something, and you get a free pudding thrown in, a dessert. And so he was stuffing his pockets with this free chicken. He said, you know, this will last till tomorrow. And she was horrified that he would sit there and take advantage of, of free food. It's like the eat all you can. Do you remember once seeing in the newspapers, and we did it on this programme, of when you actually go out to one of these pizza places where they go, eat as much as you like from a salad bar. You can fill up a small bowl. There's a way of filling up the bowl to get the most salad. You know, no good filling it up with lettuce at the bottom because that'll bulk it out. So you start with cucumber at the bottom. Don't use tomatoes, cucumber, anything flat. Cucumber and um, anything like that. But when you, when you get to the tomatoes, you place those round the outside. There's a way of stacking a salad bowl to make sure that you get the most in there. Don't ever put lettuce or any bulky items, because it'll just be, it'll be, and you won't be getting value for money. You do get value for money on this programme, because it don't cost you a penny piece, and that's why we've wiped the board with any competition that there is out there. Not that I ever acknowledge the fact that there was any. Uh, somebody's on, in, oh, this is great, on, on, uh, on Google, we've just found somebody who can make a three-foot salad, you know, by going to the salad bar, which is three-foot you imagine how upset the staff would be in in the Twickenham Pizza Hut, which uh, which closed because students were going in there. And when they were going, eat as much as you can. The students were turning up and they were ordering all these pizzas. Then they changed the system and they went in there and they they now come round and they bring the slices. You were like a slice, and then they wander off again. You go, oi, come back, another two slices on here, love. Another, t-. and they hate it. So pizza used to have to start changing their their plans because students who just shovel it away in between all the booze and the drugs, were actually filling up the plates with as much pizza as they could. So they had to start, ch- you know, eat as much as you like, six ninety-five. It's like, have you noticed in the Chinese restaurants, eat as much as you like, uh, because they want you to spend money on the booze. And the portions get smaller, you go, look, oh, all right, love, just look, don't, don't bring me six little ducks, bring the whole duck, all right, we'll eat a whole duck between us. But they, they don't like to do that, they want to make their money on the booze. Anyway, so is it is it acceptable to use a discount voucher on your first date? I mean, not Really, how cheap are you going to look? Oh, it's all right if you're a student, because people accept the fact you're tight and uh, and poor. And of course, you've only got enough money for sort of you know three joints in a week and sort of six pints of Stella, and uh, yeah. And uh, so, uh, so is it acceptable? Of course, it's not. Of course, it's not. Not in the real world. For poor people, it is. Poor people, it's acceptable. We have a coupon. You see, the waitress is going another one with a coupon. They love it. It kills, kills restaurants stone dead. We'll tell you how to make a three-foot-tall salad bowl after the news. I bet you can't wait. And if you've just woken up, Jordan's been um, from a great height by the X. It's lovely news. News is next. On FM, online at Allen. Four minutes. Biggest order is in 18 years. <laughs> we wipe the board with them. You know why? Because otherwise everything else is just a bit safe. And also at this time of the morning, who wants safe? Who wants safe? Who wants something that's a bit, bit spiky? Far more exciting. Somebody's written in to say, my brother, a black cab driver, was upset the other morning when you said they didn't pay full taxes. He might write in to complain. Ooh, scared. Ooh. What do you think he can write? What, enjoined up? Good God, you're joking, of course. It'll be typed, I imagine. Man. I shouldn't imagine he's actually going to be writing. I don't think they're able to that. And, of course, as you know, most people who do a cash business fiddle taxes. It's a, it's a known fact, I'm afraid. Uh, Paul in Ilford had breakfast at, um, at a place in Smithfield. Yeah, aren't there not places in Smithfield that open early in the morning so you can have a pint of Guinness and you can have your breakfast? So it's pubs, isn't it, round there that open early to do breakfast? And I think they are these the pubs that open early and close early. 
Because when we were in Fleet Street years ago, we had the workers... Um, I say the workers. It was, it was called the workers. I don't know. Perhaps it was really called the workers. I know we just called it the workers. It was a bar that was open from something like three in the morning through till about eight. So if you finished your night shift as a machine mind, you could go and get uh, go and get sozzled. And many did. They used to stagger back through Gough Square because in those days, before they moved out to Wapping, Fortress Wapping, as it was called, we had the um, the print workers who for years had been fiddling. You know, it was the biggest fiddle going in Fleet Street. What you did, you walked in, you signed in, and then you went off and drove a taxi or did something else. That was, it was quite common. Quite common, I promise you. Quite normal procedure. And people signed in as Mickey Mouse. In fact, LBC had somebody signing on as me. We did have one guy who was on the payroll, and nobody knew who the hell he was. Nobody had ever seen him. But he would, he would send in invoices. And also in those days, LBC was using a lot of outside sources. And in theory... It was supposed to be married up. So, in other words, they would say, I filed this piece for Steve Allen's early breakfast. And then it was, um, it was, uh, you, so you, you, you had this thing. And then the producer was supposed to say, yes, and here it is to married up. But nobody checked it. And so people were actually, actually filing stuff that had never been done before on the radio, but they were getting paid for it. And it happened in Fleet Street, all the newspapers. So that's why they had to move out of Fleet Street. And so secretly, while all the printers were getting drunk and the machine minders, because people used to be paid to watch a machine, they hardly ever broke down, but they had to sit there in case it broke down because it was all done on paper. So while they were all faffing around getting drunk in Fleet Street, Fortress Wapping was being built and fully equipped and the journalists were all ready to move over. And it came as a bit of a shock to the printers. They hadn't quite fathomed on this one, mainly because they hadn't sobered up for about uh, 500 years. And it was, it was very interesting. It was very interesting to watch them staggering back through Gough Square in the early hours of the morning. And you'd be thinking... You've got no idea what's around the corner, have you? No idea. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. So, is it really acceptable to use a coupon on the first date? A quarter of cash-strapped romantics admit to using discount vouchers. I can't tell you about a friend of mine who uses discount vouchers. I really can't. <laughs> 84850, steve at And, um, apparently... Oh, there's one here. This is... New research. New research. I love these... these pl- I don't know where they get this from. New research shows that one in three UK men adopt their partner's diet once they start living together. Now, it isn't so much adopting the partner's diet. What it is, uh, is that when you move in with somebody and they are on a diet, they're not going to cook you any food. So it's either a case of you're going to eat what they're eating, the rabbit food... Or, or you're just not going to be surviving at all. And so it isn't a case of they actually adopt their partner's diet. It's a case of there's nothing else on offer. They go, I'm doing the Atkins. You go, oh, blimey. We're not going to suffer with that every morning, are we? It's going to be scrambled egg and smoked salmon every morning. It is the dullest diet ever. The only diet that works, the only diet that works, is little, often, exercise. Little, often, exercise. Cutting out carbs is good. James Whale will tell you about this. Cutting out carbs is, is very good because it's, uh, it, you know, bread, cheese, fried stuff, all bad for you. All the stuff that you like the taste of is really bad. So James O'Brien wants to know, he wants to know what the news stories are. Is this for him and Eamon? Okay, right. First of all, very quickly, and, and it's, a, it's a first, as far as I know, this is Leandro Penna, who's the intelligent side of that old baggage, Jordan, uh, he said she's not right in the head, and that's why he dumped her. Now, I've predicted, James, I know you won't better say this on Sky News, but, uh, but you should, 
that she will become venomous over this weekend. She will be attacking it. She does it with all the ex-boyfriends and husbands. Every single one, of course. In some cases, the husbands take her to court and win because uh, she's not intelligent enough to realise that she really is quite nasty. And so, why I dumped Crazy Katie... That's the, that's the polite side of it. Uh, who's the most natural beauty? Kate Middleton. Kate Middleton is our most natural beauty. And also, OAPs have been told, work or lose your pension, because they're saying that most people are not prepared, are they, James, for retirement? You're actually working, and if you like your job, why would you think about retiring? Most people I know that, that retire, they go, what do I do now? You know, by the time you've done a bit of gardening... By the time you've done a bit of painting and you've wired a plug up and sort of moved the spare bed around, that's just about it, I'm afraid. Uh, confessions of a wife who snores in the mail. Uh, Charlotte and her ex-agent, this is uh, Jonathan Shallot, in a bitter row over her evidence to Leveson. He says, basically, she's been economical with the truth. Or failing that, it's just not true what she's saying at all. But there again, there's probably many things that Charlotte Church did in her life that she can't remember. Because she spent a lot of time, if you remember, face down in the gutter. And uh, we were constantly reminding her every time we saw pictures of her, oh, there she is again, she's face down in the gutter. Here she is at, uh, at another venue and she's drunk again. You know, and if you're drunk, you can't remember all these things. Um, today is the day for diets. It's officially the day, James, that people, ladies, start dieting for Christmas. I mean, you know, people who are fat start dieting for Christmas. Uh, there's a feature on whatever happened to the Bond girls and Gary Barlow is fuming after learning that uh, Simon Cowell has declared war on him by secretly campaigning to get Chris Maloney out. They'll do anything to try and get some interest in this dreary competition back up to where it is. And the truth of the matter is that you've seen it for what it is. It's a fixed programme. It's organised, the lies, the, um, the, the fake annoyance, the arguments. I mean, you can tell by Louis Walsh, he, can't, he couldn't argue his way out of a paper bag. He's not strong enough. He's, he's weak, pathetic, and whoever is dressing him needs to get a life. They've got to stop. They've got to make him wear, wear some different clothes. Um, there's also a picture of uh, Kelly Brook. Uh, Kelly Brook, because um, I think she's going to a, a burlesque-type show. There's more David Cameron uh, facing an official probe after claims he illegally hinted Britain was finally out of the double-dip res- uh, recession. Where did all the Bond girls go? They've got a whole list of uh, Bondy girls everywhere. And, uh, and still, still, I'm afraid, it's, uh, it's Jimmy Savile. More probes... I think two more names are in the uh, are in the frame here. But my favourite story is the fact that Wayne Rooney has revealed he's hooked on US politics and he's tipped Bar- Wayne Rooney. Duh! Wayne Rooney is hooked on politics. He's told how he was glued to all three live television debates. Yeah, right. And I'm the Pope. And uh, and James says he's not fat. He was going to take me out for lunch after the Rajar meeting today. Now he won't. <laughs> there is no rage. Is there? A, there's not a rage R meeting today, is there? Oh, is this for the big one for the company? I couldn't possibly go. My head will become even bigger. It's just too embarrassing. I can't go. So um, there is no real news. The real news still is, I'm afraid, James. You know, I mean, if that's the front page, Kate's brain isn't wired right, and I was going insane. Leandro, well off out of it, Leandro. I told you before, don't hang around with her. She's poison. Uh, more on Jimmy Savile. Now there's a swoop on a home which apparently a suspected paedophile lair at his isolated country hideaway. This is in the Scottish Highlands, and they say it's not been touched. Um, I mean, it... Sorry? It just goes on and on. He wants to know if we're out of recession and what's going on in politics. Well, it's the Prime Minister, who they say is told fibs. Who has told fibs. Uh, there's a panto star who's been, uh, who's been axed. 
because it turns out he's made porno films, which is not very good. And uh, the BBC still doesn't get it. Lord Patton, the chairman of the trust that oversees the BBC on behalf of taxpayers, says sniffily that the government should respect the Beeb's independence, in other words, keep its nose out of the Savile scandal. Not good news. And, uh, and Barack Obama home and dry? Probably not now Wayne Rooney has tipped him to win. Wayne Rooney, because you would go to Wayne Rooney, wouldn't you, if you were going to ask about American politics? Uh, plus, an official Jaguar, ordered by uh, pleb shame Tory Andrew Mitchell, has been cancelled by his successor. Uh, there is the girl who sold her virginity on the internet. It's part of a reality show in Australia. 490,000. 490,000 pounds. And a lonely law executive who stole 205,000 from her bosses to buy friends has been jailed. Ruth Turner uh, included two trips in a week to see Neil Diamond, who I believe is pitching up at the Royal Variety Performance as revealed exclusively on this programme, well, it would have been if I'd been able to tell you, uh, hosted by David Walliams at the Royal Albert Hall. Do we have tickets? Yes, we have tickets already. And it's a barn of a place. I mean, it is a barn of a place, but I love the Royal Albert Hall dearly. So this is good. This is very good indeed. So I shall look forward to seeing uh, Neil Diamond, who must be in his 70s by now, mustn't he? And that's about it, I'm afraid. I mean, there really isn't. Oh, there, there is the story, and I'm very delighted. Two brothers... Daniel and Jason Smith um, nicked poppy tins. They stole poppy tins. They are the scummiest of the scum, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm delighted to say that they've been jailed 45 months by Kingston Crown Court. Yes! Now that's what you call a result. Good for them. And don't forget, if you see somebody with a poppy tin, you know, you don't have to buy a poppy. You can put money in it. They were arguing overnight, some people. It was the argument of you don't have to wear a poppy to show that you support you know, the appeal, and you think, well, that's exactly why you wear the poppy. You wear the poppy to show your support. It's no good saying, you know, if somebody says to you, do you not have a poppy? You know, you go, well, I, I did put money in, in the tin, but I, did, I decided not to have a poppy. No, wear a poppy. Wear it with pride. Wear it with pride. Have one. If you don't want to buy one, don't buy one, but don't phone me up and bleat about it, because I'm really not remotely interested. <laughs> News headlines this morning with Sam Pittis. Figures this morning are expected to show the longest double dip. Minutes past five, Thursday morning, and uh, Sharon says, I wouldn't mind a man using a voucher to pay for a meal on a first date, Steve. The problem is finding a man to go on a first date with. It's not easy, is it, Sharon? You just have to accept the fact that you're deeply unattractive and you'll never be going out with anybody ever again. <laughs> There's always a reason, isn't there? Do you know, to be honest with you, you're actually better off by yourself. You're better off by yourself. You don't need to tart yourself up if you want to go out for a meal. Go out for a meal. It's cheaper. Why should you have to sit there making small talk with somebody that you, you really don't want to? Because you kind of want to cut out all the small talk and cut to the chase. Neela says, uh, um, I haven't listened to the news on the radio or watched it on television for around two years. I feel so much happier, but I have cravings if I don't listen to your show. Even if I'm off work, I put the alarm on at four to catch up with you and get more information about a world in a much more realistic approach and fun. I'm, su I'm not surprised the number of listeners has risen, and I'm sure it's because of your show. Well, I mean, it's risen phenomenally. It's almost embarrassing. I mean, I don't even like to talk about it. But I came in this morning, and I was on the front desk, said, because I was, I was thinking about it coming in in the car, because years ago, they used to phone you, and... Um, and, they, and they'd say, oh, just before you were going to bed, in my case, they'd go, oh, Steve, I just thought I'd run through the figures with you. And I used to go, oh, Scott, don't. I'd say, I'd say listen, just give me the bottom line, up or down. He'd go, holding its own. And I'd go, OK, that's fine. And I could go to bed happy. If they went, they, 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 they've dipped a bit, then I'd think, oh, what, can I, what have I done that's different? What have, I, what have I changed about anything? And so you're always trying to look for something, but I've, I've long since learnt 
that if, if you don't worry about what anybody else is doing on the radio, you just carry on blindly doing your own little thing. Eventually it hits and eventually it works out and it works out quite well because we bring you all the stories in the newspapers. We talk about the celebrities. We talk about the things which affect you. We say exactly what you're thinking. I know that because of the instant reaction that we get from you. I can hear it all the way through through the daytime anyway on LBC. So when I came in and Oz said, fantastic on the figures. So I said, oh, right. And I, d- I hadn't really thought about the figures. I try not to think about them. And I said, what, who's? He said, yours. I said, oh, right. And I came up and then Rupert Bartier ran through. Th- you know, it's, which is kind of nice, actually. So now I've got breakfast with the boss, but we had that plan two days ago. So I'm going, he's probably He's probably standing in the shower now, naked with a loofah. Try and take that image out of my mind. And uh, concentrate on the day in hand. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. And uh, will there be bacon rolls, says Phil, for breakfast? No, no. Uh, and Joe says, I paid £12 for a relatively small brekkie. Motorway services are a joke. Well, don't ever buy anything at the motorway service stations. They're rubbish breakfasts. I mean, they really are. Motorway service stations just rip off. Rip-off places. I mean, £12 for a breakfast. I've been to some of them. By the time you actually get there, your breakfast is stone cold. The best... If you want to go to a breakfast, go to a greasy spoon where, you know, the windows are all misted up and you sit inside there and you, and then you get a whole breakfast for, like, £3.50, £4. It's so much better than going to some of these Ponzi... I should probably go to a Ponzi place for breakfast today and it'll probably be quite expensive. But, I mean, £12 for a relatively small breakfast at the motorway. Served by people with so much indifference to you. Have you noticed? They really couldn't care. They all look a bit grubby anyway. There's no rush to serve things. But they go, oi, come on. This is getting stone cold here. Because it, they, it seems to be the same person serving who does everything else. Uh, somebody says, um, big breakfast and champagne at the Fox and Anchor. Well, it seems quite a nice idea, actually. I'm not sure I could drink champagne for breakfast. I really couldn't. I've got an interview to do at 9.30 this morning. There's no way that I could do uh, champagne for breakfast with the best will in the world. Um, Harvey says, uh, I listen to you on my way from work as I do nights on the underground. And you always cheer me up. Well, that's all you can expect, isn't it? He said, I bet you're gutted about Katie Price splitting up with Leandro. Well, I was until I read the story that he'd sold the story to a Brazilian paper and uh, a Brazilian paper about how awful she is and how, how she's got screws loose and everything else. And I thought, yeah, but we've been saying that. <laughs> we've been saying that for ages, James. You know that's not true. You know that's not true. And, uh, and Dawn says, great to hear you're doing an In Conversation with Matt Cardle. He's got an album called The Fire. Yep, I have it in my little hand. And she's ordered a, pre- she's ordered a signed copy. A pre-ordered signed copy. The single is out next Monday. She says, can you put a photo of you and Matt together on Twitter? Or right, I'll get Charlie Girling from our showbiz desk to take a photograph of me and him, and I'll put it on Twitter later on today. Well, in fact, I'll put it on just after we've, uh, we've actually done it. Um, can you wish, says Noreen Janet, who you met at the Magic Circle, best wishes to her and her sister, please. I certainly will. And, uh, and love the hanging baskets. What about Johnny's? Yes, Johnny, poor soul, who's getting married. Getting married. He had his uh, stag night in uh, Brighton a short while ago. Johnny, who, of course, has worked with us at all of our live shows. He's done all the sound and stuff like that. He's uh, actually getting married. And he had a little teeny tiny hanging basket. And he put a picture up and it was pathetic. You know, I don't think I'm talking out of school when I say that it was possibly the most embarrassing hanging basket I've ever seen. But then we did ask you to vote for them and I won. I won. And my baskets at the moment, because they're all the same, they do look very, very good. Very, very good. Uh, Sandra and Gordon, morning. So you mentioned, quite uncharacteristically, a number of publicity-seeking celebrities yesterday. Have you, we wonder, been following the endless, dreary, boring revelations from the self-opinionated, smug and desperate cracknels? 
unbelievable bilge, and all because they've got a shoddy little book to sell. By the way, if you need to top up your Vegas tan, feel free to pop over to Tooting sur la mer any time. Toujours, chérie. That's from Sandra and Gordon and Tooting. I haven't read the... I've, I've managed to avoid that one. I've managed to avoid... That hasn't, uh, that hasn't hit home with me at all, luckily. 84850, uk. Uh, how do they compile the listening figures? I, I have no idea. I have no idea. I, I really... I've, I couldn't tell you. I've never understood the system at all, I'm afraid. I've never understood it. I just I just know. It's, it's like a diary, and so somebody fills in. So, in fact, at my time of the morning, they have to make sure that they're compass mentis. And they sort of, you know, they sort of tick the little box. And uh, it's what, when, and for how long, and things like that. And, and for some reason, I've either been very lucky... And some of my listeners, uh, some of my regular listeners have got diaries, in which case that's why we've gone through the roof. I can't think of any other reason. Not doing anything different today that we did three months ago, are we? And we probably are, actually. We probably are. Yes, it's it's slight. So that's why. Jesse says, your show is one of five plus one a day. Is that like the the fruit thing? You know, you've you've got to have five a day to help you through the day. It's a good idea. Good idea. And uh, somebody says, I love listening to your programme which is good. Listen from five every day. Thank you very much indeed. Mirror, what really happened to the Bond girls? And the other story is detectives. I mean, uh, how much more ludicrous this story can become? I've got no idea. And now probing a child sex ring linked to Downing Street. Apparently, the shock investigation is being carried out by officers working on the Jimmy Savile paedophile scandal. Labour MP Tom Watson stunned the Commons by claiming a senior aide to a former Tory Prime Minister... Sorry, a former Prime Minister was a member of a child sex ring. He claimed there was evidence of a powerful paedophile network linked to Parliament and Number 10. Now, you remember some years ago that there was a paedophile scandal linked to Washington and to, and to Congress. There was a scandal with young boys there being used by congressmen. And this blew the whole thing wide open. So, in one way, I'm not surprised that there would be paedophiles working within government... In fact, I can name you two ministers off the top of my head who I know to be into, let's just say, slightly young people. I know that because I've interviewed these people. I've interviewed them. I said, Perhaps I should do a book. Perhaps I should. But I mean, the whole thing is just getting so out of hand. They say here, police have widened the hunt for perverts in Parliament. Uh, there's pictures in the paper today of Jimmy Savile with Margaret Thatcher. But there again, there would be pictures of Jimmy Savile with everybody. With everybody, because he was doing fundraising, and so he would have automatically had thousands of pictures taken. There will be people who will have pictures of Jimmy Savile and them on their mantelpiece, on their walls, in their scrapbooks, because he was Jimmy Savile. He was used by all the major companies to front their advertising campaigns. He was everywhere. How we find the time for anything else, I have no idea. But uh, there is also stories in the papers today about doctors at Broadmoor who were also interfering with people who... No, not at, at Broadmoor, at uh, at one of the hospitals who were interfering with children from the ages of 12. Stoke Mandeville was named in the in the papers today. It's it's almost... it's it, there, there seems to be no end. It's a bit like space. There's no end in sight, I'm afraid. There is no end in sight at all. It's just... It can keep going on and on and on. And some people who've come forward to say that they were abused will be telling the truth, and some people will be not telling the truth. And the police have to wade through all of this. They don't have enough manpower to sort out all of these things. They don't have the manpower 
to sort out three or four hundred statements. They just don't. They've got enough problems as it is. They're woefully undermanned. We're closing police stations left, right and centre. Now we're closing fire stations. Now we're selling Admiralty Arch. Oh, or are we not selling Admiralty Arch? I find it difficult to believe that Admiralty Arch, I thought, was linked to Buckingham Palace. You know, it's the only gate that opens in the middle for the Sovereign. So she doesn't have to go through the side. They open the middle gates and the Sovereign goes right through the middle. It's the only red road in London. And we've sold it to some Spanish hotel consortium. Like Benidorm on Trafalgar Square. I can't think of any more ghastly in a deal worth about £60 million. Why? Why have we sold it to some Spanish... Co- you know the Spanish haters. I don't want them taking... You know, the next thing is they'll be putting sand down and umbrellas and people serving sangria and donkey rides and, and things like that. They'll be going to bullfighting. The whole of Trafalgar Square will be taken over by smelly people who want to sell us garlic and, and things. And it'll be awful. We'll have to eat paella. Oh, no, it's the French. Wait a minute. Oh, the French don't do paella. And we'll have to... A little. We've sold it to a hotel chain. But there's no parking. Where would you go for parking? Oh, we'll just stick it round there. There's no parking around there at all. Perhaps they're going to dig up the map. Perhaps the Queen can open up the forecourt. Perhaps the Queen can open up the forecourt and we can all go and park down there and then walk up the Mall. Because there's a safe place to walk up and down with at night time. Everything's so ridiculous. A hotel chain. I mean, it's going to be way out of... You know, it isn't going to be like a travel lodge, is it? It's, I don't want to be booked in. It's, it's way too expensive. I'm just so horrified by the fact that, that, you know, the Spanish have got their hands on a piece of British culture. But then we have sold stuff in the past. We've sold, you know, London Bridge. We have. We've sold London Bridge. I'm telling you, we've sold it. And we've sold all sorts of things to the Americans. You know, we've even sold them the, the, dear, the dear Queen Mary. London Bridge was bought by the Americans in the middle of the blooming desert. They moved it over there stone by stone. I mean, what crackpot sold that? Ridiculous. Going to sell anything. I mean, sell, sell Knightsbridge. Let's get rid of Knightsbridge. Let's call it Little Italy or something like that. Or filling that um, Camden. There's a place you could sell quite... Nobody would miss it. Leicester Square, I see. Having only just spent 15 million quid, ladies and gentlemen, of hard-earned money, you know, putting in what can only be described as a fountain that never works and a few crackpot railings in Leicester Square, now the whole statue is boarded up again. I mean, it's a never any. I mean, it must be a cash cow, this place. It's unbelievable. Why they didn't put it in to start with, I've got no idea, but they're putting another statue in or something to replace. So they boarded the whole thing up again. And the other day, the fountains weren't working, so they're sort of working on that one. It'd be a lot easier if you'd given it to the Chinese or the Polish. They could have made it work fairly quickly. The rest of us haven't got the faintest idea. It's LBC 97.3, the time this Thursday morning, 5.30. little soul I am this morning. It's only because I look out the window and it's so blooming miserable. You know when it's when it's warm inside, not that it's warm in here, but, but when traditionally it's warm inside and uh, you press your nose up against the window and outside it's all it's all cold and damp and horrible. It's like that outside this morning. It's 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 not very nice. In fact, actually Eve listens in Dubai and says, I find myself getting sentimental when you mention how cold it is or the traffic on the roads. It is cold. It is cold, I'm afraid, and it's it, it's not very not very pleasant, I'm afraid, at all. I'm just going to quickly check the uh, weather. Rupert Bartier put the weather out at four o'clock this morning, and I normally do it quite quickly for you. But uh, every single day this week, I don't think there's been a day go by where I've not said to Courtney downstairs, I said, what a miserable blooming day. And today's the same. Dull and misty, drizzle in places, becoming generally dry later in the day, quite breezy. 13 centigrade, currently it's 
13 centigrade. So, in other words, it's not going to climb up at all. Tonight, a little rain in places. Skies clearing from the north overnight, turning colder. Minimum 8 centigrade. Tomorrow, bright, sunny and dry. Oh, that's good. And then showers in the east, feeling colder. And here we go for Saturday. Now, Saturday is, uh, they said, showers in the east, otherwise sunny. Now, you remember a few days ago, we were predicting snow on Saturday. Well, that seems to have drifted away at the moment. It might come back. Bearing in mind, we're still only at Thursday, so anything can uh, anything can change. And it's quite a good weekend because it's the Magic Circle Dealers Day at a top London hotel. I can't tell you where it is because uh, otherwise I'll have to take myself out and flog myself, I'm afraid. But it, it's where a lot of magic dealers from around the world all converge on a hotel and members of the Magic Circle and people interested in the arts go down there and, and buy magic and talk magic and look at magic and just, just become silly about it. So uh, I should be going down there. So it's dog walking Saturday. Sunday is lunch with the brother, catch up with him before Christmas, try and make the arrangements. And, um, and, uh, and hopefully we shall get Warwick Davis in for the early part of next week for In Conversation. So today it's Matt Cardle, and then it'll be Warwick Davis next week, and I think we've got Suggs from Madness. We've got, I've lost track of how many interviews we've been doing recently and how many we've actually stockpiled, because we, we seem to have a fair number because I, I was talking to Charlie from our showbiz desk and Joe Parkinson and saying, um, you know, we've got all these interviews, but I can't remember. I just, I'd come in and I do them, but I don't, I don't know where I am with them. I don't, I don't keep a record of these. I should do, really, but it goes into the computer system. I don't know if Matt Cardle's still single. It's the kind of thing Dawn would have to tell us about. She's the, she's the big Matt Cardle fan. She knows about, uh, about these things. Uh, 84850, steve at We've in some more of your... Uh, texts and emails here this morning this is one from uh oh it's from richie actually up there on the wirral he says congratulations he said is that you getting one million plus listeners now that would be nice wouldn't it he says uh, hopefully global will stick lbc on the digital uh, so i can hear anywhere in the uk well you can on the uh, on the internet can't you you can hear it on the internet anywhere in the uk but i mean i like the idea as well i like the idea as well of actually being on on digital I don't know what it means. I just, I just happily say on digital. And uh, well, after a very disappointing event at Arsenal last night, says Neil, you as a keen supporter, what did you think? He says, having got back to Oakwood by train, I got into my car and the radio came on. And the lovely Barbara Windsor was on with a very interesting programme about Alma Cogan. He says, it full of some great info. I listened to the whole show. She's so nice. Yes, she loves doing radio. She told me the other day, she said, oh, I love doing radio. And I said to her, I said, you should have done it years ago. I said, it's easy peasy, lemon squeezy, isn't it, radio? You just sit there and you just you sort of waffle on about things and you can waffle on about celebrities. I find myself during the in-conversations waffling on, but that's why we get so many guests who want to come on. Uh, because it's, it's not a traditional interview programme. It's called Steve Allen Tells You More About His Life. My friend Paul Easton wrote a, wrote a blog about me a short while ago and was saying, he said, you learn a lot about Steve Allen listening to his programme. You learn about his socks, his diabetes, his buying of twos, his car, the boot that's full up with stuff because he's got no... He said, I reckon his whole place is full of DVD box sets. He said, you're never too sure. He said in the hanging basket, he said, you're never too sure if it's, if it's all true or if it's just a, a carefully contrived story. I felt like writing to her or phoning up and going, Paul, actually, you know it's true. That's a sad thing. That's a sad... When I was sorting out my paperwork yesterday, I've kept little things within my paper... I mean, stupid things. I had to have a real clear-out. My, my little shredder was working overtime, as they say. Anyway, sir, he said, you certainly kept us hanging. Read your hanging basket photos. Thanks. Or finally posting. Very nice. It's going to be chilly at the weekend. Let's hope they don't get frostbite. He said, so you will be joining us for Christmas. 
You love keeping us in suspense. It wouldn't have been the same. Preparing my Brussels whilst I listen. Make sure you book it off for next year. Get yourself a warm cruise. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I was, as you know, I was going to take Christmas off this year. That was the idea. I remember saying on air, before I knew what had happened, they'd done the rotor. And I was on it. I don't mind because I can fit in things around Christmas. And, I, and because I don't drink over Christmas. It's the only time of the year I don't drink. I must be the only person who doesn't drink at parties, or I might be going to a party on Saturday, after the Magic Circle, Dealer's Day, and after the walk, and then, but I, I tend not to drink if I'm driving. I, I don't like drinking and driving, and I've, I'm quite happy. I can drink gallons of water. When we did the lovely Lady Rattlings ball the other night, Barbara and myself, we, we were, I think there was about four of us on the, on the top table who, would, who were just drinking water. Just water. We had loads of... There was loads of bottles of wine. I mean, never was any shortage of, of booze that the Lady Rattlings or the Water Rats do's. But uh, we just drank water because Barbara doesn't drink. And uh, I had to... You know, if, if I'd had a few drinks, I couldn't have driven her back. I wouldn't have felt comfortable about it. So, uh, all in all, very good night. Very good night. Thank you, Suzanne, for the nice letter the other day, which was lovely. Uh, Jason says, who would you like to see in the jungle this year? Um, nobody. Wild animals eating them. That's who I'd like to see in the jungle. Apparently, they're all being offered a very low fee, but being allowed to negotiate what magazine deals they want to do. In the same way that Mylene Class seemed to organise something which involved her wearing swimsuits at every opportunity. Uh, there's been some people it's not done anything for their career at all. You know, there's a few people who it, it just, doesn't, just wasn't their sort of thing. Last night, I missed Toby Anstice's party because it was Toby Anstice's party last night as he celebrated 20 years in the business. And uh, unfortunately, because I had so many things to do, I just couldn't get round to it, which was a shame because it would have been a really good do. And I'm sure that the pictures will pop up in a colourful magazine very, very shortly. I shall, I shall go through there. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. There is a slight problem as well. I'll mention it briefly with the downloads, with the, uh, with the podcasts. And I can't remember what it is at the moment. Um, <laughs> Paul and Billy says you porky pie, you know you drink at Christmas. Actually I don't drink I don't drink when I when I go down to relatives. I don't I mean I'm saying I mean I'm saying I don't drink normally, as you know. Paul and I had a couple of glass I think we had a glass of champagne the other night. Billy doesn't drink at all though, does he? <coughs> Everything else barring. Uh, the LBC page on the iPad has recently changed. And uh, Jane says it's difficult to contact you via email. It shouldn't be. Try turning it off and turning it on again. Sometimes that, uh, that sort of boosts up the, uh, the procedure. She says, for instance, it's saying Anthony Davis is currently on air. Yeah, you need to turn your... You need to uh, update it. Plug it into the computer. Update your iPad, OK? If that's how you update it. Because uh, it means you haven't updated it for ages. For quite a long while. Quite a long while. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC... Um, dot co dot uk. Uh, one here very quickly. Let's try and get through as many of these as we can on the programme. Malcolm has been listening to LBC for five years on digital radio. Yes, it's available on digital radio, but not up the country. I don't think that because um, he's in he's up there in Liverpool. Uh, eight four eight five zero Steve at LBC dot co dot uk. Benidorm's full of drunk people. The Spanish wouldn't touch it with a barge pole, Steve. And, uh, well, they, 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 they're, they're buying Admiralty Arch. I think, that, I mean, it is actually, um, 
people who... I don't really know why people would want to put a hotel in Admiralty Arch. Didn't we use it one year for the homeless? I seem to remember back in my distant LBC days, we did a, I did a feature on it because I think John Prescott round and served Christmas lunch to people. Somebody his size, I ask you. Not exactly the sort of person you want to see hoving into view, is it? A bit like sort of the Marie Celeste. And he pitched up there because they opened it as a, as a shelter, I think. They, they used it as a shelter, and I think he served Christmas lunch to people on Christmas. I do like my Christmas dinner. I do, I do like it. It's, it's the only time of the year that I, I'm quite funny about what I have to eat over Christmas. I have to do traditional. I know traditional would be, I suppose, something like goose. You know, people used to have goose, as in Charles Dickens. Everything, but go and get me the biggest goose, you know. And I said, oh, so fatty. You've got, if, if you actually cook it uh, probably, properly then it's supposed to be quite nice. You're supposed to do it on a rack, aren't you? It's like duck. And you know what I nearly... I need to find out from any of you, because you will know this. I haven't done it yet, because I don't, I don't want to waste the money. But they're doing an advert on the television at the moment for Iceland and for a chicken in a bag that you literally just put in the oven and it's got all the stuff on it and you just cook it in the bag. Now, for Iceland, normally this would be about a pound in Iceland because everything is about a pound in Iceland. But this is six pounds. Now, that's that's... That's that. That's it's a whole whole chicken in a box in a bag. Now, have any of you bought it and actually cooked it yet? Because it's. I remember years ago cooking things in bags and you just leave it, and it cooks quite happily, and so it sits in its own juices. And I thought if it's any good, I might try one. But I don't want to to buy it if it's going to be disappointing. Because I thought their duck in Iceland was very very disappointing. In fact, it would have been easier to eat the picture on the box than it would to eat the duck inside. My, I took my duck out of the box, and I seriously thought it was the only anorexic duck I'd ever seen. I don't think mine had eaten anything. I think mine had just been born, and then they decided it was going to end its life, and that was it, and it ended up in this small little box. So if anybody's eaten the chicken, let me know. Six pounds, I think, is quite a lot for something from Iceland. And you know, I was speaking to a lady in there the other day. They've got legs of lamb, what 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 the the lamb is doomed to do? I've got no idea. Go round on casters, I suppose, because it's legs. Are in there. But they're in plastic boxes. You know why? It's to stop people pinching. And the lady in there said, if we put out a load in the morning, she said people come in and thieve them. People thieve from Iceland. Do you know? I'd be taking them out and shooting them immediately. You can't believe it now. I mean, people... She said, and sweets. I said, don't tell me about the sweets. I did it on... Well, I didn't say I did it on my radio programme, because it sounds a bit odd. But I did it, and the boss of Iceland was listening. And they've moved the sweets to the front. The students from the local college in Twickenham were going in there thieving sweets. They're like that. They thieve things. If it's not screwed down, they nick it. The only shop that never gets anything nicked is Kentucky Fried Chicken. And that's only because they've got staff standing in front of the ghastly stuff. Quarter to six news headlines with Sam Pittis. Figures this morning are expected to show the longest... <laughs> Sorry. Morning. It's Thursday in London town. Uh, Paul, my friend, he says uh, the box tastes nice. The chicken's not very good. <laughs> it's a shame because I'm, I'm taken by the pictures on the front of boxes. And in Iceland, that's all I can go by. You know, but, but, they, but they can do a big barbecue. If you're going to buy a chicken, though... You see, I thought £6 for a chicken was actually quite a lot. This is an uncooked chicken, which comes with its herbs. And you see, you buy one... In, so, if Iceland are selling a chicken for 6 I'm assuming it's got to be a really super-duper chicken. Or is it 6 quid because it's the first thing they've advertised on or in Iceland for ages, and they've got to cover the cost of the, the advertisement on the television? Delighted to see that Argos are closing loads of their branches... I mean, they've, they've almost had their day now, Argos. People, people tend to buy online. All you need is a distribution centre to go there. And then and you pick up the item or have it delivered to the door. Frozen or fresh what? Chicken. Well, I, well, it's Iceland, so it would have to be. The clue is in the word ice. 
to explain to the producer what Iceland is. She doesn't go in there, really. They have a grocery section. Yeah, they have a grocery, yeah, but that's not frozen. That's groceries. What do you do? Freeze grapes or something, or, you know, a punnet of strawberries. They do do strawberries in, in chocolate, but that's in their, in their sort of little range where you have people that you don't like around for something to eat. And they do sort of 60 pieces for a buffet. But the chicken's definitely fr- It would have to be frozen. Because I looked at it and thought, it looks quite nice, but does it taste any good? And so far, you've all been telling me it doesn't. So that's not much cop, is it, really, I'm afraid? Uh, Stevie's had the, uh, the chicken in a bag from Waitrose. That's actually the cooked chicken, though, isn't it? They, they have a cooked chicken section in Waitrose where that is delicious. I mean, sometimes you have to open the bag on the way home, don't you? And you have to start ripping the chicken apart. I used to go to Sainsbury's in Richmond, and they used to do, on their hot food counter, racks of ribs. Sorry, it's making my mouth water. And, and they would do racks of ribs, and I would go in there, and I'd buy two racks of ribs, and I'd sit in the car, and they were covered with this sauce, and I would start eating them in the car. And I would get, you know, trying to drive and eat ribs isn't clever. Take my advice, it's not the best thing I've ever tried. And you'd get yourself covered in the sauce, and I'd say, oh, this is a hopeless waste of time, I'm afraid. Hopeless waste of time. Uh, Will they (laughs) rename it Amada Arch? I'm just horrified that we're selling off... I mean, what what next? Hiving off, you know, Buckingham Palace for bedsits for overseas students? I don't think so. Uh, Steve, I've heard that Trini and Susanna will be in the jungle. Are they still alive? I had no idea. I mean, who are they? That's the cart horse and the transvestite, isn't it, who advise people on what to wear. And then you look at them and you think, oh dear, I don't think so. I don't think so. Bridget, uh, yes, the worst happened. I don't know, you'll need to check with Noreen on that one, because I, I believe that she knows more about it. So, uh, so do check. I'm sorry that sounds a little bit round the houses for the rest of you, but I, I can't talk about something that is personal to, uh, to somebody else. Uh, 84850, uh, Sharon who's the, the one who isn't particularly attractive and can't, can't get a man, said, I had to laugh. She said, I listen to your show every morning. She says, P.S., I scrub up well. Yes, yeah, so you say, yeah, but your idea of scrubbing up well might be just not scrubbing up that well, but scrubbing up <laughs> reasonably well. Uh, Steve, I listen to you uh, every morning. You set me up for my day at work, and when I come home, I listen to James Whale. Perhaps you could do a Christmas special with him. Oh, you're joking, of course, aren't you? I can't stand him. I wouldn't work with James Whale if they paid me double. Oh, I can't bear him. I mean, I have to tolerate him round here because he's always stalking me and sort of... And he, luckily, I, I could say this because he won't be listening because he'll be sitting at Sky, you know, full makeup. He goes in He goes in early so he can get the whole makeup treatment. Because when I see him in here, it's a different person completely. Completely different. Uh, in the papers as well, uh, it's, uh, it's Jordan, who, as I say, it's, I don't know what she was wearing when she went to the James Bond premiere alone. Um... She just looks awful. She either looks as though she's been doing drugs for 25 years and that's that kind of washed-out look. Or, failing that, she's had a lot of work done to her face and it's, it's just ruined it. And she was wearing... I don't know what she was wearing. It's an outfit that probably wouldn't look out of, pages, out of the pages of Fredericks of Hollywood. You know, that's, that's the kind of thing. That's the kind of thing she was wearing. And it just looked wrong. She looked old. For somebody who's only 31, I think... 31, and uh, is just... She just looks old and... Ha- he's not... Is he still listening? Oh, good grief, all I need. Uh, oh, apparently I'm, I'm having toast, he said, for breakfast, which is quite nice, actually. I like that idea. I think that's what you said, wasn't it, James? Oh, I can't do a programme with it, honestly, because he'll, he'll just... He'll, he'll just try and sit on me and try, and try and overshadow my witty, sparkling personality and repartee, and I can't compete with somebody of his age. It's also, it's also rude to interrupt your elders, and, and, you know, to have a... You know, because he is, is quite considerably older than, than, than my good self, 
In fact, he's definitely quite considerably... I think he's about 73. I mean, I know that for the, for the internet, he puts it down at about 50-something, but I'm telling you, I think he's about 73, if not 75. It's difficult to tell with him, because he's, he's started wearing some very odd clothes. He comes in here sometimes, and, oh, don't. He's going he's gonna to try and take me out for lunch. I have to make excuses, like, I've got to go to the hospital or the doctor's. <laughs> <laughs> I jest, of course. I can't believe he's not even at Skype. Is he sitting in the car having his makeup done? He j- he's nearly there. Go on, pop it. Put your foot down. We don't want you to be late this morning, do we? Uh, 84850, uk, And um, um, very difficult, very difficult, Gordon, to get tickets for the Remembrance Service. Um, um, oh, yes. Right, sorry. Um, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer. <coughs> Excuse me, Neil says... Uh, oh, it was Susanna. Oh, I do beg your pardon. Not Susanna. I can't remember everything. I'm over 27. He said, her husband's the rabbi, the father of Oscar. Your number one fan. Thank you. Thank you. Now back to the sermon. Yes, I know. I know. I get, I, sometimes I do get things wrong. Very rarely, actually. Uh, I've not seen any photos, says Deborah, of your time in Vegas. Did you take any? No, I didn't. I didn't. I, no, because I tell you for why. Because I thought I was on holiday. You don't want to see pictures of me on holiday and my little, my little white legs and my little sunburnt head. It's, it's, it's not an attractive look at the best of times, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850. And uh, for Clive, yes, uh, I speak to Alan Dodgen every so often. He's very well. I probably speak to John Warrington more than uh, more than anybody, and and he's well too. He's well as well. Everybody's well at the moment, even though we're all suffering with this ghastly blooming weather. I'm not surprised, people. If you've not had your flu jabs, make sure you do get your flu jabs because you do need them. You do need them, especially if you're in a high risk category. So diabetics, elderly people, you are in a high risk category. Uh, category. Uh, eight four eight five zero Steve at LBC dot co dot uk. We've been some more here. A lot of you worried about Jordan. And uh, somebody else not a fan of the uh, of the Iceland frozen chicken. Oh, f- chicken. Oh, yeah, the three-foot um, tower. Where did we find the three-foot tower salad? The salad thing. The producer will find it for you. And um, Francesca says, don't, don't be rude about James. He cares for you. I know, in sort of like a stalking kind of a way. So, you know, I, I have to keep him at arm's length. You know what it's like, you know, when you've had the audience figures out and, you know, some of us have done better than others. You know, I don't like to sort of go on about it. And J.K., cool, you're texting late this morning. <laughs> he says, best figures in 18 years. Yes, you watch yourself. You watch yourself. <laughs> Which is nice, actually, isn't it, really? We're going to celebrate Tomoz, apparently, with breakfast. I'm being stalked all over the place. Tomoz. I know, Tomoz. Even the producers just queried it. Tomoz, I ask you. Oh, yeah, yeah, she used it. Well, I don't think he's much older than 25. I don't know how old he is. It's a bit, it's a bit difficult to tell, really. But he has a breakfast show coming up on our sister station, Heart. So uh, good luck to them this morning. So this is the, the engineer who was brought in to make a three-foot-tall salad bowl. And the method... This is one bowl, one visit. This is the rule at the local pizza. So to get round it, to circumvent the problem, he came up with this thing here. He said, first of all, the foundations are very important. So it's a layer of carrot sticks which form the scaffolding beyond the rim of the bowl, OK? Cucumber slices or chunks of fruit act as the walls of a hollow tower that can be filled to three foot with other food. 
Here, however, the technique isn't required as Pizza Hut UK offer unlimited salad with a meal. So apparently they found that people, obese diners, sit 15 foot nearer the buffet than those of average weight. Isn't that hilarious? So in other words, they don't want to have to walk too far. And when I was in Las Vegas, I mean, there are people over there who are, I mean, I promise you, seriously big. But I turn on the pro- on the television the other night to see a programme, ladies and gentlemen, about a man in America whose wife is enormous and he is attracted to very big women. He's not just a chubby chaser. James O'Brien said he's a feeder and he feeds her up because he wants her to be enormous. And she is enormous. And then they take pictures and send them out to uh, other people who like very, very large people, obese people, and and she was huge, huge. And I did see people like that in Vegas, people who eat all the fried food. You know, you've, you don't seem to find the food that we have over here. I don't know what is traditional British food, probably, probably pies or roast beef and Yorkshire pudding, but vegetables you're hard-pushed to find. I mean, any nation that serves Chinese food for breakfast and Mexican food and Italian food. Something's got to be going wrong. I mean, they are huge, some of these people. I mean, I sat next to a woman for breakfast one morning because I was down early, and I thought, I'll I'll go and get my breakfast early. And she had piled her plate so high, I looked at it, and I started feeling a bit ill, I'm afraid. The M&S rotisserie barbecue chicken in the bag is quite delicious. They often have it on the £10 offer. Search for the most expensive says Anne in Richmond. We'd love to see you in, in Vegas. And somebody has said, I think, Steve Allen, James Whale and Nick Ferrari should do a joint Christmas show. We did, actually, one time. There was a, an LBC pantomime. I didn't do it. Because I was being typecast, and I didn't want to be typecast. Didn't want to be principal boy. And uh, wanted to be the Wicked Queen. But <laughs> it didn't quite work out like that. And so We did do an LBC pantomime. We used to have all these wonderful things years ago, which at Christmas time... I mean, I, I might introduce something for Christmas Day and Boxing Day. I haven't quite, I'm saying that now. I haven't quite worked it out. And uh, Peter in Westminster says, How come your mate Jordan gets to go to the premiere of Skyfall? Uh, Listen, I wish I knew the answer. But uh, luckily, Pauline in South Shields is one of the ever-growing band of, uh, of new listeners to LBC 97.3. And she says, I love the show. We love you too. News at 6 is next. On FM, online, Eve Allen. Morning. Six minutes past six. Um... What does a personalised number plate say about a driver? I don't know. This is after Duncan reported, and we did it a couple of days ago, the Burkos, Sally and the husband, have got personalised number plates. I mean, how nav... I mean, it's not really. It's not really. Steve says, uh, do, do Pizza Hut not realise how underwhelming unlimited salad is? We want chips. <laughs> we do want chips. Uh, 84850, uh, steve at uh, just opened, Thursday's fry up on its way, and yes, it's a big one, says Leslie in Watford. Actually, we had a, we had a fry up delivered here the other day, and I'm hoping it comes from the hotel, because that's what I'm going for today. <laughs> I'm going for, no, I'm not, actually. I'm really not. Uh, Brian says, a huge lady got on my bus the other day. I thought it was going to tip over. There are a lot of big people around now, and it's purely the food, isn't it? Uh, Lynn says, you shouldn't be mean to James Whale. I mean, who else calls you a young man and means it? Oh, I know. And Bridget says, if you don't want to do a programme with James, how about a double act with lovely Christo? Oh, good Lord above, I couldn't do one with him. He's even worse. He's even worse of a stalker, I'm afraid. (laughs) Just doesn't work. Uh, Joyce says, James is lovely. You could be twins. 
Don't tell him that, for God's sake. He'll be, he'll be suicidal. Tell him something like that. It'll really upset his day. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And uh, love the hanging baskets and the pots, says little Julie. Thank you. Actually, it, it, it's going to look better soon. He's fine, by the way. Um, apparently, um, Mervyn Manchester says they're going to be doing chicken... Oh, dear, no. I don't... Oh, I can't do anything like that. But, in fact, somebody was telling me that they, they went to China a short while ago, and they serve chicken heads. Just the head. And I thought, oh, I just couldn't. I'm sorry, I absolutely couldn't. There was, I, I, I upset myself yesterday in between trying to do my paperwork and the books and, and get everything ready, which I feel a lot, a lot better about, and because I've got an early interview this morning for In Conversation, um, I can go and then nip to the accountant, then I've got to come back and do the VAT. It's always something to do. I've noticed that there, there aren't quite enough hours in the day, and because it's miserable and overcast, it makes you feel miserable and overcast. It doesn't matter how many good stories there are in the papers, like the fact you know, that Jordan's relationship has finished, which cheers me up no end, because I predicted it a year ago. I knew that it would not work at all. Um, and, oh, I think you're... I think, sorry. I'm talking to my phone, Mum. Talking to my phone. And so, you know, when, when you look at somebody who, who plays their life out on a television programme and is rude to the person they're supposed to be with and, and says things behind their back as probably a joke, you can understand why this woman will never, ever find happiness or will settle down at all. Because she's just nasty. She's just nasty. And I'll make the prediction now, and I shall stand by it, and I shall collect my money from you and the coconuts and the boxes of chocolates and the plaudits, is when I say that come Sunday, she's going to be in one of the papers, she's probably even negotiating at the moment, to sell her story of how awful he was and how he didn't make any effort and didn't do this. Whereas, in fact, she just turns everything around. She's the one who's the nasty person in the relationship. You only had to look at him to realise what, what an innocent person he was and what a nice person he appeared to be. In fact, that's what everybody said too nice, unfortunately, uh, for her. Talking of too nice, Nick Ferrari's with you after the news at seven o'clock this morning. Uh, Michael Portillo is going to be doing the papers. The uh, journalist, broadcaster, former Conservative Party politician and cabinet minister. And it's self a mouthful. And uh, Nick Ferrari uh, will be talking about the recession. We should be coming out of the recession. But is it any more than a blip? Nick will be speaking to three businesses to find out what the economy is really like. A survey suggests many of us fear for our safety in the light of the police cuts. How safe do you feel in your neighbourhood? And a little girl risks missing out on, a comp- on compensation because her soldier father was killed before she was born, meaning his paternity cannot be proved. Nick will be speaking with her local MP about what David Cameron could do for the case, because Mr Cameron has said that uh, he will be looking at this one. And so uh, Michael Portillo, as I say, in to do the uh, papers today for Nick Ferrari and the team just after the news at 7. Um, coming up as well at 6.30 this morning, just in uh, 20 minutes' time, it'll be the uh, early morning news programme. And Susan Bookbind will be in the studio. The economics editor of the Daily Mail, Dan Atkinson, will be in. Again, talking about the official figures, expected to say the economy's return to growth. But most economists believe we're far from out of the recession, plus mortgages. And somebody told me earlier on that they're trying to bring in new rules uh, as regarding the driving test and people who are driving. If you're diabetic and if you're diabetic on insulin, because they say that they, they really want to force people off the road, because there are certain organisations... Uh, that will not accept you if you're a diabetic on insulin. It's uh, it's like taking out the insurance when you go to America. If you say that you're a diabetic, they want to know exactly what, what amount of insulin you're on. 
you know, I'm, I'm probably not a serious diabetic, even though I inject twice a day and take my tablets. They, they did insure me, cost a small, small fortune and an arm and a leg, but we managed to get through that one. And I think the whole idea is that they want to check and make sure, because they say people could have a hypo at the wheel. Well, by the same token, old people could have a heart attack at the wheel. You know, somebody who's on medication could... You know, there are all sorts of groups who you could take off the road if you work on the assumption. I mean, I spoke to one lady earlier on. She sent in a, an email to me saying that in all the years she's been driving, she's never had an accident at all, and she's been diabetic for practically all her life. So anything that's brought in... I think uh, Diabetes UK are looking at that one. They'll never bring it in. You'll never be able to force it. Imagine if they go, uh, if you're diabetic, we're not going to give you a driving licence. I don't think so. I don't think so. We'll be finding lawyers immediately. Absolutely. Uh, the nation's favourite movie cars of all time have been revealed. The battle of the iconic cars on film sees the British models beating the American counterparts. Uh, because they were doing a programme on the telly this morning looking at the amount of Rolls-Royce motor cars that are in India, owned by the Maharajas. And they had one in particular. Rolls-Royce was so keen to impress the market over there, and the Maharajas seemed to be the only people who had any money. The Brits had no money, so whenever you saw them in Rolls-Royces, they weren't owned by the Brits, they were owned by the Maharajas and Maharanis. And one of them was a Rolls-Royce that was a normal car, but it, it had been adapted for somebody to drive it with... With hands. So um, on the foot pedals, they were operated by hand levers to accelerate and to brake. And they said it cost a small fortune, but uh, still works today. Still works today. Uh, Winnie and I saw paranormal activity for last night. Very scary. Little Judy says, Winnie, have you checked under the bed this morning? Don't. Every time I turn on the television and see Derek Acora on there, I know you're in for a, for a programme of rubbish and made-up things, everything. He just doesn't even look, uh, look uh, <laughs> sort of believable, I'm afraid. Uh, Tony says, forget the chicken in a bag. Thank you. Um, to be honest with you, I should... I'm, I'm, none of you seem to like it so far. I'm a little bit worried by this. They've spent a fortune on the advertising... And, uh, and Nikki says, I wouldn't touch Iceland with a barge pole. Why does it have such a bad reputation? I see nothing but long queues in Iceland. You know, they're very friendly. The staff we've got in, in Twickenham are very, very friendly. I mean, really, really friendly people. Really not. They wave. I wave. You know, they go, how are you this morning? I go, I'm fine. Uh, weird and wacky names have been revealed. We've had a few on the programme this morning, haven't we? Oh, Kerry Katona used to advertise. I know. I mean, um, admittedly, during the Kerry Katona period, then Jason Donovan did it, I think, and that was much more acceptable. But, I mean, Kerry Katona, I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch anything that Kerry Katona touches. Um, do we go bargain hunting in a moment? And also, weird and wacky names have been revealed. You won't believe some of the crackpot names we've got for you this morning. Uh, quick time check. It's uh, 13 minutes, 14 minutes past six. LBC 97.3. So apparently we are a nation of savvy shoppers. The British spend up to 130 days of their lives bargain hunting. I mean, I like a bargain, but I'll, I'll, there's no point in traipsing around because that kind of defeats the object. If you have to drive and use tonnes of petrol because you're trying to find a bargain, you've defeated the object. It's like going out. And now we're encouraged everywhere. It started in Boots, the chemist. Thank goodness they don't do it in my chemist goods, where they go sort of, you know, buy three items, get the, get the most expensive one or the cheapest one free. I don't want three items. I want to keep three tubes of toothpaste or three toothbrushes. It's like they do it in Marks and Spencers, where the standard has gone 
way far down, way far down below anything that it was before. Now they encourage you to buy three of everything. Well, if you're a single person, that's a complete waste of time because you don't want three of everything. I don't want three packs of burgers. I don't want three packs of chicken or three of this or three of that. And they go, three for £10 or one is £5.67. So they want you to spend the £10. That's why your weekly shop is now costing you more money in Marks and Spencers. It's their way of halting the slide to try and make you buy bigger things. You go, oh, I'll buy three of these for £6. I don't want three of them for £6. I want one for one ninety nine. So Marks and Spencers must be losing out big time because people are going, I don't want three of this. They go, oh, you can always freeze it. Don't want to freeze it. Just want to buy one item. Stop trying to rip people off. Stop trying, you know, I, I said ages ago that lots of things, the, the water in Marks and Spencers, bottles of water, I think it could be two litres or, I can't remember what it is, whatever it is. When it first started, it was 42 pence. Now, it's 52 pence. Now, that might not seem a lot, for a bottle of water, and I do drink bottled water. But as far as I'm concerned, it's free. It comes from heaven. God sends it down, they just bottle it, and they sell it to you, and it's gone up in price. No reason for it whatsoever. No reason for putting the price of water up. It's just, it's just another way of extracting money from you. You know, if you go to Poundland, you know, some of you do, might buy your shopping in Poundland, you get a free bag. You don't get a free bag in Marks and Spencers. Now, I've argued this thing before. I'm not bothered about whether it's a free bag. I'm just worried about, you know, if you spend a lot of money in a shop, they should give you the bag for free. You know, if you're spending £20 or £30, if you go and spend a lot of money in Sainsbury's, they give you money off your petrol, which, of course, in this day and age is an absolute godsend. You don't get anything like that in Marks and Spencers. Even Waitrose were offering a deal. You know, if you spent so much, you got a, a discount voucher, which you could give to your local shell garage, and they knocked off that on the price of petrol. That was, that was what was brilliant. Marks and Spencers do nothing for their customers like that. They just overcharge. I'm, I'm sick to death of going through there, and they go, if you buy three packets of peas, it's only going to be £4.50. And I, th- I don't want three packets of peas. I want to buy one packet of peas. But they make it so expensive for one packet that it's almost cheaper to buy the three. But then you have to check the sell-by dates. That's the thing that annoys me even more nowadays. So, weird and wacky names have been revealed. This is a family history website. Ancestry.co.uk set a study of names on its site going back hundreds of years, ranging from school registers and marriage records to phone books, revealed some unusual entries. Names of uh, interest include a Norfolk woman called Mary Scary, who was born in 1843. Uh, A butcher, Fran Pyre. I didn't get that one, actually. Perhaps I've, perhaps I've missed that one. Fran... Pa, fra, perhaps it's Fran Pye. Also, I don't know. It just, just doesn't look right. Who left New York for Southampton in 1926. A First World War soldier called Will Fright. And a Southampton news agent described in a phone book as Mr Spooky. I like this. Mr Spooky, I can, I can live with. I think that's, that's very good indeed. I like that idea. I think that, that, is, that is quite good. Uh, two parents in Wisconsin have come up with a creative retaliation to their daughter's disrespectful behaviour that she won't soon forget. After their daughter got fresh with them, I think that means something different in America. Getting fresh, I think, means probably confronting them. The Midwestern couple confiscated the girl's cell phone for a week, then twisted the knife by posting mortifying photos of themselves on her Facebook wall. The unnamed parents, who appear to be in their early 40s, are pictured cross-eyed and flashing a peace sign, which was posted online by the couple's son. My parents took away my sister's phone for the week, the son writes on uh, the social media website Reddit under the username Austin Mac. They've uploaded about ten of these to her Facebook, doing it right. And uh, it's quite a good idea, really. 
But uh, you can't have uh, children being disrespectful to their parents. I mean, that's absolutely... That's a no-go area. Nice feature on uh, Toby Anstice in New Magazine, 99 pence. We bought it this morning. We're very excited. So, Nick of the team, Michael Portillo. Sorry? There's no hold, but we don't, we don't care. We just, I'm 99p. We, we don't care. We're just pushing the boat out, as far as I'm concerned. We are just spending money like it's going out of fashion, ladies and gentlemen. Quickly, let's have a, a final round-up on your uh, texts and emails on the programme. Uh, Simon says, uh, I missed your chats with, uh, with Nathan. Are we still there? He's still talking about us. We remember him very well indeed. And, uh, Neil says, please mention again that poppies are now on sale. Yes, they had their big launch yesterday. And my dad has been chosen to march past the cenotaph this year. My brother and I will be there to watch him. Yes, it's always very moving. I, I did that the other year. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Dot co dot uk and uh, Anne says when we think about poppies most people seem to imagine that buying them is just for adults who want to show their respect for the war dead and give money to the people who had terrible injuries I'm afraid I was not able to fit into Duncan's programme but you're a poppy buyer so I agree with you if we buy a poppy we should jolly well wear it for a variety of reasons but one important reason is because it's important to educate children according to their age about remembrance and sacrifice my grandson is eight and capable of being introduced to the facts of war and our remembrance day well I've said before that uh, my my godson Nathan he's already been on a trip to the battlefields of uh, of Epes and he's uh, they've watched the ceremony there's lots of school trips go over there now I think the next one is going to be Auschwitz they are taught about these things uh, if a child wants to buy a poppy uh, on account of what we've explained the money however little should be their own and parents shouldn't give them extra money to put in the tin. And that way, adults set a good example and the children will discover the pleasures of making a small sacrifice instead of buying sweets and crisps. I absolutely agree. I remember going to... Where was I? Where was I? And I think there was a, there was a Chelsea pensioner selling, uh, selling poppies and people were queuing up to buy a poppy off him. So that's what you should do. You should buy a poppy. I'm not going to force anybody to buy a poppy. Don't want to buy one? Don't buy one. I don't want to hear from you. I just think you should buy a poppy. It's one of those things that you do. It's just, it's polite. It's polite. It's the sort of thing we do. And uh, we have a box down in, uh, in our reception. And um, uh, Nicola says, uh, Nikki, has Jordan ever heard you have a popper? I don't think she knows what the radio is, actually. I don't think she's intelligent enough for that. And contacted you because you always talk about, I reckon you like her really. Can't stand her, as you well know. It's uh, it's a well known fact that uh, I don't applaud no talent at all on this program. Uh, oh, Fran Pyre, vampires, pies, Sweeney, Todd, perhaps Steve. Oh, I don't know. Um, strange. Uh, the podcasts, the podcasts, I think are doing something funny at the moment. I've had a couple of people saying that they they haven't been able to do it. Try them again. It's the there's something happened with the server or something, but I think it's all back to. Uh, Back to normal. It should be all right at the moment. So we've not heard of anybody else. So uh, provided you sort of do it properly. And then somebody says, you're having a laugh. Jason Donovan, more acceptable. Oh, he's nice, Jason Donovan. He's a nice person. We like him a lot. So uh, 84850, steve at We'll do it again tomorrow morning. Uh, just time very, very quickly to run through the... Um, the front page of the paper. State Express today. Experts say we're out of the recession. That's what Nick Ferrari and the team will be talking about this morning. Uh, plus, Kate is voted our most natural beauty. That's Kate Middleton. Uh, the ex-BBC boss, speaking of his regrets over Savile, this is Mark Thompson, who said that uh, he'd never heard any allegations about Jimmy Savile. Grief. Uh, the Sun, BBC probing two more Savils there. 
Two more uh, BBC employees are suspected of sex crimes on the same scale as Jimmy Savile. Dossiers have been passed to the police. They're not naming or shaming. Uh, The Daily Mail, doctors to act on care pathway. And Charlotte and Jonathan Shallot in a bitter row of her evidence to the Leveson inquiry. Uh, Pedo ring inside number 10 is the headline on the mirror. And the Independent today... It's uh, a billion pounds a year. Black hole in university funding means the government's new £9,000 fees regime is in danger of costing taxpayers more than the old system. Have a lovely day. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. Thank you for boosting LBC's figures. We're very grateful, and I shall personally write to each and every one of you to thank you and send you a free chocolate. I won't do any of that at all. Of course you know I don't. But there will be a free podcast up for you today to celebrate the fact. It'll be with you in about half an hour. Podcasting's on lbc.co.uk. Have a great day. Next on LBC 97.3, the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. LBC 97.